It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Big Tech's ordinance has everything from complete firearms to OEM and aftermarket parts. If you're looking to put together your first AR-15, they have everything from those parts that you need to the tools that are going to be essential. If you're looking for suppressors, night vision, handheld lights, weapon lights, sights or optics, you name it, Big Tech's has it all. Not only that, they're offering all those brands that we like. Go visit them at BigTechsOrdinance.com. Overwatch Precision is a team of civilians and combat veterans based in Phoenix, Arizona, that employ industry-leading production methods, coatings, and materials in their striker-fired polymer-framed pistol trigger systems. With an internal engineering team focused on thoughtful design, Overwatch's flat-faced and curved triggers safely deliver a mechanical advantage to your carry or duty Glock, Walther, CZ, P10, and Smith & Wesson MMP 2.0 with improved function and increased accuracy. See more at overwatchprecision.com. Filster makes awesome holsters. But not only that, they also happen to be one of those companies that are trendsetters. A lot of their designs are emulated by other companies. Not only does Filster make those holsters, but they also provide concealment systems like the Enigma, the Flex. They also have a lot of solutions when it comes to concealment solutions for medical. If you need to have a concealment first aid kit, they happen to sell them. Check them out at filsterholster.com. Primary Arms Government recently showed off a new giveaway, which features a new Daniel Defense M4 V7 rifle, complete with GLX 1-6 power first focal plane rifle scope, PLX mount, and more. These monthly giveaways are only open to first responders and members of the military, so there's way less competition for the big prize. Entry is also completely free with no purchase necessary, ever. So if you want to have a chance to win, just visit primaryarms.com government and hit the giveaway button at the top. Walther is the performance leader in the firearms industry, renowned throughout the world for its innovation since Carl Walther and his son Fritz created the first blowback semi-automatic pistol in 1908. Today, the innovative spirit builds off the invention of the concealed carry gun with the PPK series by creating the PPQ, PPS, and the Q5 match steel frame series. Military, police, and other government security groups in every country of the world have relied on the high-quality craftsmanship and rugged durability of Walther products. Walther continues its long tradition of technical expertise and innovation in the design and production of firearms. For more information, visit WalterArms.com. So... Hey everyone, Matt Lanford here with Stockmer in secondary. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Outtakes.
Too much delay. Sorry. No, um, no worries. Hey everyone, Matt Lanfer here with Primary and Secondary. Welcome to Modcast. The episode number is 335. We will be defining the DMR designated marksmanship rifle. It's going to be an awesome discussion because we've had most of it already. We're doing this at the end and it's going to be edited and added to the, the beginning. Today is March 18th, 2023. Uh, my background's in law enforcement. I've been doing the cops, cop thing since last century. Have some experience. I've taken some training with scoped rifles and some accuracy and i very much enjoy it it's very cool uh i definitely see an application for that kind of stuff within law enforcement especially where i live especially in for some agencies that i've worked for where it is nothing but just wide open spaces and not much cover um but we're not going to really talk about that i can tell you i because i already know um we're just going to do quick intros and continue on rick Hey everybody, Rick Levistry here. Um, I background is as an army sniper um, and uh, recently retired as of December, 20 years. So I've dropped the ruck uh, permanently. And um, so uh, infantryman, um, precision rifle uh, uh, enthusiast um, uh, on the outside too, um, mostly shooting pistol these days. But uh, like I said, uh, most of my time in the army was spent as uh, as a sniper, um, and uh, went to sniper school back in about 2011, something like that. A um, couple of deployments: Iraq, Afghanistan, and uh, yeah, pretty pretty standard infantryman fare outside of that too. So um, DMR is kind of a uh, I've seen it rise and come and go and fall and and fluctuate. So yeah, been on the uh, the operating end of that. Um, more than like the development or the uh, um, testing end of it um, for my career. So. You have a deployment to like Seattle also. Uh, oh uh, yeah, well i i did uh, I did have fun for the uh, L.A. riots uh, a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, we did that. That was that was pretty wild. Um, yeah, again, being on top of uh, uh, L.A. City Hall, uh, watching a, a crowd of protesters and. Uh, you know, doing Overwatch there is something I never thought I'd find myself doing, but lo and behold, there we were. So yeah, it was pretty pretty wild whole time there. Crazy, Mark. Mark Smith, uh, JBS Training Group. I uh, do the the shooty thing in all aspects, so uh, pistol stuff, carving stuff, short range dot gun stuff, and then also uh, targets that are a little little farther out yonder than than typical. Um, been doing uh, DMR stuff for, I don't know, better part of maybe three three years now since I really got serious about it. Um, I, I really like pistol. Uh, I really like, you know, dog gun stuff, but there's my, my, my heart lies in, in distance. Uh, gas gun shooting, it's always been my, my favorite thing. Um, as far as experience goes, I'm, I'm simply a, a competitor and a normal dude, uh, an American using America's rifle. Uh, the AR-15 to, to see, you know, how far I can, I can throw projos and how quickly I can get it done. Um, so that, that's what I got as far as the topics of discussion on this. You know, I, I think you're missing out on an opportunity to share the name of that one class. As performance out yonder. And it's funny you uh, mentioned that, Matt, thank you for bringing that up. Um, there is uh, going to be uh, November the 12th. So it's, it's super interesting. I'm super excited about it. Um, 
November 10th and 11th is going to be a performance out yonder class, which is essentially a zero to 400 curriculum based on normal guys shooting normal guys uh, kind of guns and, and finding stability off of literally anything, not just perfect, uh, you know, range barricades. And um, the follow-up to that is going to be uh, day three, which is going to be the first ever JBS training group performance out yonder DMR match. Uh, we're hosting a match down in uh, Lubbock, Texas. That's going to be fantastic. It's, it's, how I think about rifle shooting and the, the, the issues that come with running magnified optics and throwing projects at stuff far away off of stuff that's less than ideal. Um, it, it's going to highlight a lot of uh, things that I think people should know that, that most don't. Um, and it's going to be really, really cool, man. The uh, cool part about if you, if you get the match in conjunction with the class, um, I have uh, been schooled up in the past, I don't know, year or so, man, I got, I, I've always been really heavy into the mental side of, of shooting and the, the mental side of controlling your thoughts and, and, you know, occupying the conscious mind with single objectives and, and this kind of stuff. I got really crazy about it within the past uh, year or so and uh, have spent the price of a small use car on some sports psychology stuff and some guys that are significant to, to the shooting world to kind of figure out how, how that actually works and, and the benefits of it. So you go through the two-day match on November 10th and 11th, and then on the 12th, which is uh, the Veterans Day weekend uh, DMR matches, is, is going to be me with the students in a squad, um, and I'm going to be kind of coaching you through each individual stage of the match and kind of working through the mental side of what what is the one thing you need to do to accomplish this kind of stuff. Um, and it's going to be super cool, man. we got a, a absolutely loaded prize table. I'm, I'm very fortunate. People are, are far kinder to me than I deserve. Um and uh, I actually just uh, my wife came in here when we first started this thing up and she handed me this. So for those of you who can't see, this is uh, from Loopold. Loopold is going to give away a, uh, a Mark V scope. Uh, we're going to have all kind of wicked cool stuff on the on the prize table. And uh, also Ridgeline and Alex and his uh, Padre have, have agreed to buy everybody a uh, Snickers bar and a bottle of water. And uh, <laughs> just kidding. They're, they're going to buy everybody lunch. They're going to be out there in, in full force and, uh, uh, Scott uh, might even try to make it, and it, it's there's going to be a lot of cool people there, man, and a lot of cool stuff. I, I honestly can't can't believe that uh, I have I have the backing I do. Like as as previously stated, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I have really good friends that are uh, helping out with this stuff, and so if you can make it out, the class and match combo only has two spots left. That's not a sales pitch; it's just the truth. Uh, the match I think has like 40 spots left. We're going to cap it at uh, I can't remember what we said something 60 something. Um, and a good bit of those are, are already going. I, I expect this to, to sell out or at least come pretty close. So I uh, might want to jump on that if you're into it, man. And where can people find you? At uh, www.jbstraininggroup.com. Instagram, JBS underscore training group, Facebook, JBS training group, or Mark Smith. Um, and uh, that's that's typically where I, where I live, man. Um, far more active on I'd say Facebook than, than Instagram, but I, I do try to throw some stuff up on Instagram to get people riled up every now and then. Cool. That <laughs> you do. Alex. <laughs> uh, sorry, Mark. Uh, I was laughing at Mark's last statement there. Uh, he, uh, I, I, not a week goes by. I don't think before he, he ruffles somebody's feathers with something he says. And, and the funny part is, is he's usually right. And they're usually ruffled for no reason. So, um, it is what it is, but, uh, yep. My name is Alex Hartman. I'm this, uh, founder and CEO of Ridgeline defense. 
Um, we are a, a full spectrum training facility located in northern New Hampshire. Um, we do a lot with uh, everything from open enrollment classes through law enforcement and uh, DOD gov stuff. Um, we also have a fairly robust mobile training calendar, uh, usually during the cold winter months when it's uh, uninhabitable on the range up here for the most part. Uh, we seek life elsewhere until it uh, warms back up and the snow melts. Uh, so you can catch us uh, around the country. Yeah, we just got back from Arizona. Um, but you have Texas, Florida, California, um, out to Washington state next week. Um, so Chicago, uh, basically around a, a tour every year. Um, my background, uh, before I, I started Ridgeline, so I started off in Marine Corps. I was a chief scout over at, uh, Victor one eight, and then moved over to, uh, the army where I finished out my career. Uh, and then I got kind of into the contract training world. Uh, and then from there, I thought I could do a better job at it than what I was seeing. Um, my experience with DMR, SPR stuff, um, you know, I was a baby sniper. I fell in on uh, some Mark 11s and Mark 12s and uh, started using them and and kind of fell in love with uh, with the Mark 12 platform. Uh, I've taught DMs. I've run a ton of DM schools annually for for law enforcement. We do a lot of stuff for uh, for mill guys of certain certain units. Um and it, you know, I'm, I'm really obsessed with, uh, projecting that lethality to distance at a speed, uh, that is beyond what your average schoolhouse is teaching. Uh, and so I, I'm, it's just been a passion project of mine and, and that's why I'm stoked to see the world kind of follow that trend and, and to be able to support guys like Ash and, uh, and, and Jack at QP or, uh, or Mark with his, uh, DMR match and stuff like that. And just, just to be involved with it. Cause, uh, if those guys are doing stuff like that. It's, you know, those are my people. So, uh, that's kind of my background with the DM side of it. Like I said, we do a lot on the LE side. So programmatics understanding, you know, how to write, you know, what they need, you know, very similar to kind of like, uh, what Ash can help people with, uh, for, uh, for nights on the mill side, but, you know, basically how to, how to write yourself into enough of a corner, you get what you want. Uh, but not so tight, uh, tight of a corner that you can't, uh, can't get what you need. So, uh, that's kind of my background there. So yeah, cool. thanks for having me. Ash. <clears throat> so those of you who don't know me, I'm Ash S, uh, military sales, nice armament and founder of quantified performance. Uh, one of my other claims of fame is the, I started the discussion that resulted in the one to six optic being put on the M110, A1, E1, whatever it is. So that's a big thing that floats around the internet every time somebody puts a picture up. Why the fuck did they put a one to six on it? This guy. Um, so, but um, run quantified performance. Basically, what I want you guys to do is get out and shoot your guns. Uh, I want you to go to classes like JBS or Regional Line Defense. Uh, we're not doing training. We're not doing training on purpose. Uh, both Jack and I are perfectly capable of teaching this stuff, but we're leaving that open. So you go to other people's classes and just come to our match, shoot your guns. If you want to get better. Uh, one of our champions is here on the panel with us, Scott. Um, Scott's always running around the match. Scott always tries to help out. So come to a match. If you don't know anything about what you're doing, let us know beforehand. We'll make sure that you've got a buddy around there. Get out, shoot your gun, shoot it to his capabilities, probably beyond his capabilities, probably beyond your capabilities, and then find a way to get better, come back, win more prizes. And uh, it's just a, just a cool circle. Um, and the, the only other, there's one more thing that we got to do. Um, because this is a primary and secondary in my cast. We have to have a racking of a bolt because that's mandatory. Um, we already got all the cuss words in that we need. So I think we had a quote on that. Uh, you can find me and Quantify Performance on all the big channels. 
Um, generally, it's either ash.hess and quantified.performance is pretty much what I try to get on everything. Uh, you can even put it into Google and Google will take you there. Uh, we got matches happening all the way from Pennsylvania, all the way down to Florida, all the way out to Nevada. Um, so there's probably we're trying to get a match close to you. If there's not one close to you, reach out to me. We'll try to get one close to you. And uh, we um, got a championship season that's getting ready to uh, where we lit off. We got we're technically three matches into the uh, 2023 season. The points will be coming out here shortly. I'm going to be working on all that tomorrow. I uh, got the next matches in Georgia on the 1st and 2nd of April. And then we'll be headed up uh, farther north. We're going to Virginia. And then July will be in Pennsylvania. And then the cycle starts all over again. So we're, uh, we're rolling around. And uh, that's me. Scott. Man, I'm just a, the dude that's been shooting paper targets a long time. <laughs> uh, now I've uh, Scott Peterson spent, you know, a decade plus in the Marine Corps, finished up my last decade in the Army, uh, did all kinds of things from fixed track vehicles to teach people how to shoot stuff and shot a lot of competitions in my day and and hoping to still continue doing that and train with guys that are better than me or smarter than me or whatever, uh, because I'm a firm believer that no matter how well I, maybe I can outshoot all the instructors, I can always learn something. Um, you know, just hearing guys like Alex talk and, and how they, they're passionate and things like that, you know, like his, his guys are, or his group is, is a, a group that I'm wanting to go to much less send my guys to. Um, and there, and, and that's, that's tough to find these days. Um, kind of like, you know, we talked about earlier before the intro, um, for everybody, but, uh, but yeah, man, just enjoy shooting guns, uh, bolt guns, gas guns, pistols. I don't care a gun that shoot, you know, pellet gun. I love shooting. I uh, love competing. Uh, Ash and I met about, I don't know, five years ago through some Facebook keyboard commando stuff. And now we're, we're, we're good friends and we, we like shooting guns together. And I, I love going to his matches and I love getting everybody I can to go to his match and, and try to help out. So, uh, that's me. I finished up my time at Army Marksmanship Unit. I got a year left. Um, so if you need training on the mill side um, and you're poor and your unit's poor, hit us up. If you can afford it, go to Alex. Great facility up there in the north when it's not cold, uh, from my understanding. So, uh, yeah, that's me. Awesome. So something to bear in mind as you're listening to this discussion, make sure that you are supporting those sources that you have found to be beneficial. All the panelists have given their backgrounds. If you have to go back and listen to them, listen to what these guys have to say. Awesome, awesome insights have been shared so far. I suspect we're not done yet. Um, but if you like what they had to say, you probably want to find them on social media. You probably want to, you want to like when they post stuff that helps you. You probably also want to share when it benefits you. If these guys are providing something that, that helps you understand something better, they deserve that. They deserve some some feedback, some 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 positive reinforcement. That goes for everything primary and secondary. You're you're overdue. You, you need to hit like right now. So, well, one, I'd like to just pause real quick and say, any mill guys listening, not for nothing, like that thing that Scott threw out, having being able AMU to come out full free ninety nine. Like if you don't take advantage of that, you're fucking retarded. Um, At least you're honest. <laughs> like so i'm on. gonna keep that section right there yeah uh yeah, yeah you i mean you're just 
I know some of those guys, like when, when I was phasing out, like, you know, John Browning was was at uh, action shooting team at Marine Corps as I was. Uh... If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But MIDI Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. That was my last, I got orders there before I, uh, I uh, turned those down and got out and went to the army. And so like, I know a bunch of those guys and they're just, I mean, their only job is to make the like better shooters. So, you know, and to find out how ways to do it. So, it's, you know, if you don't take advantage of it in the military, you know, again, like he said, you could be the brokest unit in the military and they'll come to you. Um, so that's cool. I don't know. We can talk about some history stuff. I know we kind of, we, we danced around it and I think we were waiting for somebody else to come on. Didn't. Um, so if we want to jump down that or we want to keep going so down. What I think like. Fred might attend a, if we have a sequel to this, Fred would be on that one. But I thought historically, because we talked about historical stuff, that it would be cool to get his input on like SPRs and stuff. Yeah. But so we can hold off on historics. We could just go after the meat and potatoes. If this is what it's about, it's what the role yeah. is. And this is what the current guns are doing. Barrels, calibers, optics, and uh, LARPing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, historically, that's that's a big problem. Is in at least within DoD is defining the mission of it. Yeah, it's you know, originally the the concept of a designated marksman was a rifleman within a rifle squad that had an additional capability of extending past like the three hundred meter uh, typical engagement range, at least in the army. Uh, of what your rifleman was expected to make hits at and try to fill that gap in between long range uh, precision fires and your zero to 300 rifleman. And, but primarily it was always supposed to be functioning as a rifleman first yeah. and a designated marksman second. Um, but <laughs> so many iterations of that, uh, that definition that kind of just floated back and forth and I mean, even in spite of having, you know, various designated marksman courses uh, within the army, uh, the, the actual definition, employment, equipment used, all that was, was never really just written in stone and, and standardized. It, it 
you know, at least not that I ever saw. Well, if we brought in the law enforcement side, it's even worse. Yeah, look, law enforcement's the wild west. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah you're, well, you're, you're Salt, all over the place there. Yeah, Salt Lake has a designated marksmanship program. Okay, well, exactly what does that mean? Well, it means that they have a, a scoped, at least one scoped rifle or something like that per shift or multiple, I don't know, but. I think, well, I, I, to, Rick, to Rick's point, I think that, and, and this dovetails to the LE thing that you're talking about, Matt, is is uh, law enforcement, is, it's, it's kind of nice in that realm because like each, you know, chief or whatever, you know, uh, range master or, you know, head FI or whatever, if they've got the keys to the kingdom and they've got the chiefs here, they can kind of craft the program that they want that most particularly meets like their manpower yeah. and equipment yeah. and obviously dovetail to their specific area of operations. Like yeah. they can do that a million times better than, than we as the military can. And to, to dovetail off what Rick was saying, I mean, I mean, DM isn't even a, like an ASI. It's not a skill identifier. It's not like a secondary MOS. It's literally like, depending on where you go, like a one to two week school, um, you know, but you get some additional, I don't, I don't know if SDM and it, uh, is currently any longer. I don't believe, I want to say it's like two weeks. I could be off, but, um, it's not even an official school. Exactly. We look at like, you know, uh, if you, if you fall, I mean, this is, uh, this podcast is being recorded approximately one week after the Marine Corps killed its sniper program. Right? That's right. So, that is right. You know, uh, as coming from Rick and I can both talk coming from that side of the house. And it's like, those were flagship or that was a flagship program of that organization yeah. and it wasn't standardized. So like, you know, to let it, I mean, it was standardized in the fact that they had a schoolhouse and curriculum, but like different schoolhouses were kind of on their own sheet of music, you know, table of equipment organization did not exist for those platoons exactly beyond the guns and the SL3. Um, so like when you drop down another level of uh, oversight, if you will, and there's nobody that's really at, at the helm, you're yeah. going to get all those things that we talked about. Right. So, and, and like I said, for law enforcement, that's kind of like a, both a blessing and a curse, yep. right? Because you could, you can, you can choose your own adventure and you can choose a really good one or a really bad one. Right. Yeah. But at least you're in control of your destiny. You don't have to go fight, you know, big army or big Marine Corps to, to fix what you want. Right. So it's, it's a little bit, you know, six in one hand, half dozen the other, but uh, you know, not a phrase many people use. Right. So on the on the really? normal dude side of the side of the house, like there is there's no delineation that identifies that as well, right? Like like there is no such thing as yeah, I am a designated marksman. You know what I mean? Like it like what yeah. we, we we call this scope gun. Right? Yeah. The term itself implies a member of a team. That's right. So if you're by right. yourself LARPing. Yeah. Right. I am I am by default yeah. the designated marksman. Uh, <laughs> If I'm by myself, and, and the, the issue one. becomes is that yeah, the, the issue becomes like okay, so let's talk about scope carbine. Well, okay, what what scope and what carbine, and like nobody really knows where, where to go with this, you know. And, yeah. and I I feel like a lot of guys, man, are are they're they're on either one extreme or the other, where they're they think they need the 18x scope for the 200 yard shot, and then the other guy thinks he can do the 500 yard shot with a dot, and like. There's this freaking, you know, yeah, this, this hurricane of, of just like, nobody's really, I, I, I think it's that this guy has an experience and he doesn't know this guy's experience. And then this guy's experience doesn't match this guy's experience and they don't, 
nobody has the ability to see outside their own eyes, right? Like to see outside their own, their own experiences. Right. And so like, you know, like I, it, it can you shoot a, a full iron maiden white painted target at 600 yards with a red dot? Yes, you can. But like that ain't what, but this guy has a totally different context of what he can do with his dot gun based on the different things that he's been tasked with doing, you know? And then, so like, what is DMR and what is, um, you know, designated marksman. Well, it's, it's a guy with scope gun with enough scope and enough and enough gun to do whatever he's got to do that day. Um, yeah. and, sure. and I think it's a it's a living thing. It's a floating thing. You know. Yeah. Well, well, it's, it's, it's a skill capability gap too. Ideally, the DMR, the designated marksman of a squad, would have gone to a uh, you know designated marksman course to at least help prepare them for that, but again, where those standards and everything came from and, and how, how widespread they were and the, the continued watering down of, uh, like, you know, courses train the trainer that trained the trainer that trained the trainer and everything that was kind of lost along the way was, was part of why we got, uh, so many nebulous DMR definitions. And, and honestly, it's, it's the designation doesn't matter as much as the employment and the training that yeah drove the so, ability. So to confuse it even even more, and I'm saying this sarcastically because we can I'll I'll officially start everything we've said so far is going to be part of the intro. Um, what's the difference between a DMR and SPR? Okay, yeah, it's caliber. Come on, one's five five six and one's seven six two or three oh eight. Come on, so, no. I would say that traditionally. Yes, you're right. Right. And that, and that really comes from, you know, we just talked about, like Mark was just saying, a regular guy versus Ellie versus Milv or whatever. There was a lot of trickle down here. And there's also a lot of like, I, I like to joke that, you know, in the gun in, uh, community or gun industry, like guys are hyper focused on like having to codify and like bucket things nicely. And I'm a big fan of like Scrabble rules, bro, like terms and common usage. You know what I mean? Um, and so like DMR, SPR, if you want to track the lineage, I know we're going to hold off on that, um, you know, until we get uh, our another panelist on here, but really you have to start there in terms of understanding, right? Like DMR was a program, you know, inside of the Marine Corps um, in like the late nineties, it was an M14 in a McMillan stock. Right. And then that, that morphed again and morphed again and morphed again, right. As, as Rick was alluding to. But the really the difference comes down to, you know, uh, at this point now, a designated marksman rifle, well, that's, that's any rifle that a designated marksman is using. Um, you know, an SPR specifically started off as a receiver group, right? Um, and it was just an upper receiver, and then it morphed that into the Mark 12, and then, you know, Mark 12, uh, Mod 0, Mod 1, Mod H. Yeah, and so if you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. I'll kind of just continue to, to generally, you know, kind of, kind of go that way. I would consider, you know, is a DMR an SPR? Can an SPR be a DMR? 
quite honestly, who gives a shit, right? Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. um, you know, it's me. It's it's more of a capability defined. I, I I tend to look at things whether they're they're you know whatever sniper. And I think you know, and, and Ash can really talk more about this. But with the fielding of like the Mark Eleven and the One Ten, we really muddied the waters by adding like a semi-auto sniper system, you know, and calling it that, um, where it really replaced like you know, the Mark 11 was its own program, but we also had like the M39 EBR at the time, uh, which was, you know, just oh, a anger of a Rick's favorite, um, you know, so like we had so many things to play with that were all kind of doing the same thing. I would really look at, and, and I've said this before on other things, I don't give a shit what the gun is, what the caliber is. I think it's a certain amount of accuracy to a certain amount of distance, you know, like the DM is responsible depending on service from zero to 500, zero to 600 to overlap that sort of standard battle planning of where your rifleman goes to and where your snipers pick up at. And there's not saying that, you know, you can't go shorter or you can't go longer, but that is like the baseline of what you need to be able to do. And that's all weather day or night does not matter. And, and that is really how I would define the capability of a weapon system versus making a weapon system fit a box. I, I would add too that like, <sighs> As far as like caliber goes, I mean, it, given the the employment and like what who you're with, so like I, I think the army really screwed the pooch on uh, just doling out seven six two weapons to the rifle squads because you also have to think about the logistics of it and and then you know being able to cross load and now it, it's just I don't know how many times we had to beat that dead horse and it somehow still went through. And when you're operating as a member of a squad that, again, your primary function is as a rifleman, you're carrying about half the half the ammo for the same weight penalty. So something's got to give. So what are you going to do? You're going to you know, are you going to be maneuvering with your squad and then you start getting low on ammo? You're going to pick up and head back to the 240 position, have them break you off the belt, jam some mags real quick while, you know, you're trying to fire and maneuver with a squad. That that was one of the the, the instances where I where I look at the caliber being driven by more than simply just the capability. It's, it's, you know, your, your interoperability with your squad. And, and in that, in that particular case, I would say, yeah, stick with what, you know, you got to your left and right outside of that, like in a law enforcement, uh, you know, scenario, that's probably totally different, you know, just like what Alex was saying, it's like, if it works, it works. The only other time I would be like, Hey, we're all going to be going through the door carrying five, five, six, and you're the only dude that's got 10 rounds left to 762. It's like that, that doesn't do me any good. Well, to your well, point, I mean, we talk about commonality. Like that. Page two to the reason they went with 762, and we'll, 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 we'll get there in a little bit. Just like Paul, you said, Paul, Paul Harvey, you know, and he goes on to page two. I, I got the page two of why they did that gun. But the, uh, why they did it in 762. Get, Get, get the other thing too, like Rick. So for for you know our backgrounds, we look at like we have a priority target list, right? And if I see a dude in a squad maneuvering with a weapon system other than what everybody else is carrying, like not equipment common to all, that's the first motherfucker catching rounds. Hell yeah! <laughs> so, you know when I see like a bright, shiny, or like a you know. If you look different, you're the first one getting it. Or if you look like you're pointing out shit to somebody else, or you got an antenna. And any of those three, you're the you are the the subject of my like, you know, burning desire. Those rounds go right, um, and so again, it just comes down to that point, like you said. One, it's you know, you, you there is a maneuver penalty. Like I don't care what you like. I, I look at why I, I like the, the five five six gun so much more is maneuverability for fighting 
you know, as a rifleman, right, there is a maneuverability penalty going to the larger gun flat out, um, you know, as well as those commonality issues you brought up. Looks like Scott might be jumping in. Yeah, let me jump in here because, you know, we kind of, we kind of circled this already. So I'm just going to jump in here and I'm going to say what the army says, what the designated marksman is. I haven't seen the Marine Corps stuff, but it probably sounds about just like this definition, but the official army designated marksman is, and if you're, if you're a nerd, it is a ATP 3.21.8 or 3-21.8 paragraph 199. The designated marksman acts as a member of the squad and under the direction of the squad leader or as designated by the platoon leader. Although normally functioning as a rifleman within one of the fire teams, like that, there we go, uh, inside one of the fire teams in a rifle squad, the designated marksman is armed with a modified rifle. He is employed at the direction of the fire team leader or the squad leader. He is trained to eliminate high payoff enemy personal targets, such as the enemy automatic rifle teams, AT team snipers with precision fires. That is the official doctrine answer of what the designated marksman is. So there, there's some important p- things in there. Uh, normally functioning as a rifleman, right? So that means he's doing squad things. He's not a little baby sniper. He's not part of a little two-man sniper team in the squad, and the squad drops down to seven people to go do cool things. He's part of the squad. Then high payoff targets at the direction of the fire team leader, right? So this guy is a member of the squad all the time. He's supposed to be doing squad things, right? He's supposed to be doing whatever the squad's doing. If they're entering bunkers, if they're clearing buildings in Baghdad, whatever they're doing, he's doing normal parts of the the squad. And then, but then he needs to be able to switch to be able to do high payoff targets. Um, So in there, it says that he is the rifleman. Right, it is it is under the rifleman uh, description uh, in inside the book. It is under the rifleman, so the rifleman is the lowest person in the squad. Because you got the rifleman, you got we well, got squad leader, then you got team leader, then you got the grenadier, and then you got the automatic rifleman. And the rifleman is the dude that just showed up. Right, that that's who this guy is. He's the private, and the only thing he knows is how to shoot a gun. Right. So it's important to understand that that guy, according to doctrine, that guy is supposed to be the guy with the SDM rifle, right? So the army bought an SDM rifle, as Rick alluded to. Okay, they bought the the official nomenclature for it, and I love this. The official nomenclature for it is the M110E1, not the M110A1. M110A1 CSAS got a nice. Super big Schmidt Bender scope on it, little cheek riser on it. It's a compact sniper system. They didn't buy that. They bought something close to that. They didn't buy that. They bought the E1. And the E1, thanks to somebody, came with a one to six optic on it. Right. So the reason, one of the main reasons why they had to put a 762 caliber gun in every squad, no matter what we said, was a little thing called XM 1158. And XM 1158 is an interim armor piercing round for 762. So until in this gap, 
between next gen when we didn't have next gen because next gen's whole thing is to punch your armor and do all sorts of cool stuff. In the meantime, there was a chance that we were going to deploy soldiers to theater without the capability to penetrate certain types of Russian body armor. So the answer was, the immediate answer was this 1158, but 1158 didn't do any good if you didn't have any 762 in the squad because the, the weapon squad has 762 machine guns. So weapon squad could do all sorts of stuff with this 1158. The squad though on its own, is, and that's how we're operating a lot, we're not operating as platoons, we're operating as squads didn't have the capability to launch 1158 until next gen came in. So the reason that it got a one to six optic um, was because we were sitting there in the room and in, in the army and you, you get two types of DMs. You get two types of people running DMs. You get the knuckle dragger guy that was all CQB and he's just got this cool gun and the, and the leader's like, I don't give a fuck what you do. We're doing CQB, we do mount, we do urban operations, we do this sort of stuff. Yeah, you can shoot good, cool, man, whatever. Then you get the other DM that goes off and plays with the snipers, and that guy's showing up with like a little What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Overhood and he's building a ghillie suit for his fucking gun and all that sort of stuff. And he plays with the snipers. So he thinks he's a little baby sniper because he's got a 7.62 gun. And he tries to do SDM shit like, hey, I'm going to do Overwatch over there, Sarge, and I'm going to sit there by myself and fucking I'm going to slay targets and be cool, right? But inside that definition, neither one of those people are wrong, right? The definition is so big that it all depends on how I intend on employing my squad. As a squad leader, I decide, right? So we're having this big meeting. And we're, we're in building four and Ken Carruthers is in there and all these people are in there and they've got a CSAS sitting there with this big ass scope on it. And I'm like, hey, the problem with fielding this is what if I have to send this kid into a trench? And we're at Benning. So I talked about trenches and bunkers because battle drills, that's what they all talk about. They don't talk about reality. They talk about fucking battle drills. So I'm like, what am I going to send this kid into a trench? And they're like, well, what do you mean? It's like, he's got a little baby sniper rifle there. What, what the fuck is he going to do? There's no red dot on it. There's no offset sights on it. There's no nothing. What is he going to do? Well, 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 he's carrying M4 too. I'm like, so you're going you're gonna to make this guy carry an M4 with the red dot on it? In addition to all the 7.62 ammo that's heavier. And you, I was like, that just doesn't make any fucking sense. And they're like, uh, well, well, yeah, but he's a designated marksman. Are you willing to give up somebody in the squad? Well, no. Okay. 
if you don't give up somebody that's in the squad, you're going to be putting this guy, this mini sniper rifle inside doing whatever it is you're doing. So arguments, arguments, days and days and days of arguments, snipers over here, fucking bitching because their, their, their intention was fucking stealing this SDM gun because they knew they weren't getting a CSAS box. They were just going to steal us. So be set up for the snipers when we showed up to the time. And you got people over here and we're arguing, arguing, arguing. So it came down when they did the actual full-on requirement for the SDMR rifle. It had a requirement to be able to tell the difference in between a farm implement and a rifle at 600 yards with true 1X and daylight bright dot. That's how the requirement came out. How, and I, I retired shortly thereafter. I don't know how the fuck they ended up on the SIG thing, but that's neither here nor there, right? So, but as the weapon showed up, it has a one to six on it, and that sig that sig tango isn't bad, right? It's not perfect, it's not bad. It is daylight bright. You can't tell the difference between a rifle and a farm implement at 600, barely, but you can do those things that meets the requirement. So what they got fielded inside the squad was this E1. And the problem is they're handing it to this person in the squad because it's not going to the rifleman it's going to the best shooter in the squad without anything to support it right and all these dudes that are sitting here have shot targets you know all the way out to thousands of yards you have to know where your bullet is in flight if you don't know where your bullet is in flight or can predict it and put it on some sort of hold you're not going to hit that target at fucking 600 Right. You can try and hold, I'm going to hold up a little bit more. And the other thing with having snipers involved in the SDM program is snipers aren't used to working by themselves. They work in teams, their whole fucking thing. This guy doesn't have a team. He doesn't have a spotting scope. He may maybe has a laser range finder and he's got a laser range finder. He can laser it and he's got to be able to shoot targets. So there's no backup support of making this designated marksman. There's no, there's the, yeah, the, the 22.9 covers it, kind of, right? Because they, they, we have an external ballistics thing in there, but we don't teach a soldier how to predict their round and flight. We don't teach them about, we teach them about external ballistics, but we don't teach them how to do anything. They don't have the tools. They don't have magneto speed. They don't have any other sort of shit. They put a fucking 25 yard zero on it because that's what they think they're supposed to fucking do. And they go out to fucking slay targets. So, What's missing is that training thing. Now, my argument has always been with SDM, right? And as we talk into rifles, I just want you to chew on this. The service rifle for the U.S. Army right now, currently, is the M4. It's either got a red dot on it or it's got an ACOG on it, right? That, that's your standard service rifle. Now your designated marksman rifle is a 7.62 with the one to six on it. Now we know from shooting these competitions and doing training and doing all this sort of thing, that M4 and that fucking 7.62 gun, if I put the same optic on it, my hit rates are probably going to be about the same. Maybe even better with a 5.56 gun because I know that and I know the recoil on it. If I just throw somebody on a 7.62 gun, they're going to have some problems, right? So the enhancement of that rifle is taking out the, the 11.58 and all that sort of stuff. The enhancement is the optic, right? 
if I got all of my dudes to make a good SDM, like I just said, they need to understand where the bullets in flight and have this be able to do the stability. They need to be trained to do that, right? What if I taught everyone to do that? What if I just took a week and basic training and everybody that was some sort of combat MOS, I was like, hey, here's what your bullet does. Here's exactly what it does. Here's how to figure it out. This is muzzle velocity. This is ballistic coefficient. This is what it's doing. And I taught everybody to shoot well. Do I even need a designated marksman now? Because it could be whoever, like, hey, see that little guy with his head fucking poking out there, fucking whatever yards that is, shoot him. Roger that, Sarm. And he shoots him, and it's done. So that's been my, that that's kind of the thing. But as we talk about the guns, how much are we gaining, right? And then the big ringers that's coming in, that depending on who you talk to, either love it or hate it, the big ringer that's coming in is the Vortex Fire Control. And the vortex fire control is changing that whole fucking thing. Because if I, if I, even if I take that fire control and I got it programmed for my fucking 14.5, gun with 855A1, and it's got that program in there when I laze it, it tells me where my bullet is in flight. And I put that little fucking green dot on the fucking target. And without wind, I fucking send it and my ballistic data is there. So now everyone in the squad is a designated marksman. So, so I'm going to have to hit the big T on you on that one. Cause I shot against the competitor to that. So like, <clears throat> you know, we are a range in Northern New Hampshire, right? Where like almost every electro optic company on the planet maintains a pretty big footprint. Right. And we're like the only range without caliber night or laser restrictions. So we see a lot of stuff come through so that they don't have to fly to like New Mexico to do their tests. I shot against the competitor version of that. And looked at it and said, I can beat that in, put any, any scenario you want down, I'll, I'll beat it in time, beat it in accuracy. And not, it couldn't hang. It just can't hang with a well-trained shooter. It's got too much lag. The latency is not there or the latency is there. It also, it, it's very dependent upon your, your, so, I mean, obviously we always fight our last war, right? I think once somebody said something about experience, right? And, and I always like to joke that like, Hey bro, like all of us that have been in gunfights, like the sort of the, the ugly truth is that your experience from that gunfight doesn't really matter because like, if you do it right, you never fight the same guy twice. Right. So yeah. the, uh, the reality though, is like looking at like engagements where like we're in Afghanistan, Iraq, whatever dust, et cetera. Like if you have issues with laser range finding, which you very well can, um, based on the environmentals and the atmospherics, like you're going to have those issues with that system as well. That's going to negate its far side outside of your basic, basically your max point blank zero outside of that, you're going to negate all of its extra that you're coming back. Light conditions will be extraordinarily difficult with it, right? What you can see, what you cannot see, how much that dot obscures of the target based on target size, target coloration. So like the other issue too, that you brought up with, why can't everybody be that? Well, what's the accuracy of the system? If you get everybody well-trained shooter, but you're still giving them a four minute gun, what can you perform with to what distance versus a guy, if you took all of them, game a two minute gun or one and a half minute gun or whatever the case may be, you know, you're always going to have like equipment is going to play a pretty big part of that shooter's capability in sort of that all weather day and light, uh, day and night condition. So the consistency with every message ever said on primary and secondary in the podcast is skill trumps gear. Yep. And and it absolutely does. Right. And, and, and Alex is right on with, with, with that. Right. And that's that's why for quantified performance, you know, throwing that in there, 
Um, the Vortex guys came and shot a match. And they did it a couple ways. We didn't give them didn't give them the matchbook. We didn't give them anything. They just went up there. They some some of the stages where they knew the ranges too, and they programmed us so they could just click through. And other ones they were just lazy, right? So if I take right, any of the three guys that's up here, right? Rick, Mark, Alex. Alex hasn't shot a match yet. Match yet. Mark has. I know Rick's good at it. We know our holes. Right. And I know my, my 300 yard holes is fucking 1.2 and my fucking 650 is fucking 6.2. I know that. Right. And I know that target, that target over there is 300 and that target over there is 650. We're going to be faster because we know that data. Right. The guy with the, the laser range finder, he hits it. Right. So there's no advantage for quantified points. Everybody's like, oh, well, that's a, that's an electronic augmented sight. There's got to be a rule change. There's got to be a different division. I'm like, no. You know the range of the target. I told you the range of the target within fucking 5%. You know that. If you know your ballistic data, all that's doing is the same thing. It's just his fucking ballistic data is inside the scope and yours is inside the phone. And you write it on the side of a fucking card on the side of your gun. It's not in your scope. But if you know how to hold 1.2 and you know how to hold fucking 6.2, you've got the same capabilities as that guy does. No, so that so that's the thing. So when I shot that against that, we specifically went against UKD. So one of the things that we've been pushing big in the last couple of years for us is getting away from schoolhouse sniper bullshit because it doesn't prepare you for the real world. Um, you're shooting, you know, high contrast, large percentage targets at known distance or quote unquote UKD, where you get 10 minutes to solve the distance and then shoot known distance with it. Uh it, it's not real. It's not like anything that any of us have ever done deployed as snipers in the last 20 years. And so when like when we look at that and we look at that latency still, you know, again, getting back to the DM conversation about this. So, okay, they've got this gun, they've got this ammo or they got this gun because of this ammo, they have this optics package so that they can do, you know, one by shit and they can do six by shit. But it is like, is storm or any sort of laser range finder part of that DM suite or do they just kind of completely omit that? Because otherwise. Not officially, but right? they bought a whole bunch of extra storms. So now they're, they're issuing it out to that guy that's the DM with that gun, but it's not part of the package. It's not like, and that's like not everybody, right? So if your unit had didn't buy those fucking things, you don't have them. But I know units that like everybody's walking around with a fucking Storm 2 on their fucking M4 on their little tiny ass Knights rail with this fucking big ass fucking Storm on it because they gave a laser range finder to fucking everybody. He's got a red dot and he's got a laser range finder. He's just like, okay, we're going to hold two high. And it, but but it's not officially part of it, right? So neither is the fucking magneto speed, which is part of the sniper package. Snipers are using the shit out of magneto speed. Neither is the Kestrel, right? So it's just a dude with no training, with no fucking support, unless he unless he makes friends with the snipers and actually goes out and fucking learns some shit or pays attention to somebody on the internet that's doing that with that same fucking gun that he is. He's just just there. He's just like they're like, hey, shoot that little tiny target, dude. And he's just like, and I, I know from watching it in practice that like it doesn't even necessarily go to the guy that should probably have it. It's like, hey bro, I want to carry a cool, you know, coyote yeah. suppressed weapon. All right, bro. That's me. Yeah. Or or squad leader be like, no, that's me. <laughs> the squad leader's like, this is the fucking coolest gun we got. I'm carrying it. Or he's just like, that motherfucker's heavy. Fuck you. Or you're not the machine gunner. It's worse to be the fucking DM right now. So they give it to fucking big dude that fucking they think or the guy they're trying to fucking break off and they just hand him this fucking 762 gun that he fucking carries around. 
That that Echo One's got a pretty damn skinny barrel on it too, man. It's like, yeah. Oof. Yep. Yeah, it's and, and, then heavy. Then, and I looked at it and I'm like, first time we like uncased and I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> and then you get pictures like I, I we literally saw a picture the other day. It was probably I don't know a month ago. Um, some poor fucking some poor fucking kid was on guard somewhere they're like going to poland or something it was like he was on guard at the motor pool or railhead he's got his m4 slung and he's standing there with the fucking the fucking scm gun so he's got his scm gun and his fucking m4 because fucking boss dude was fucking like oh that's a that's a squad weapon so you have to carry your individual weapon and because or, or he's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me take a, that. No, I don't want to take a picture of the M4. Hey, hey, bro, let me borrow, let me borrow the STM yeah, rifle for that. For that, right? Yeah, for look that. at that for the ground, yeah. baby. Yeah, and, and all that's feasible, right? Because we know there's fucking stupid ass fucking platoon leaders and fucking, you know, all the way up to fucking brigade commanders that's fucking like the STM is not an individual weapon or a fucking kid that wants to fucking look cool with the fucking newest gun. That that that's all there, right? So I got a kick out of uh, that they, the fact that they uh, uh, cast into the upper receiver uh, like check your logbook or I, I forgot exactly how it was worded but <laughs> it was literally cast into the receiver check the logbook or something. I, so how about how about this? When does uh, the swapping from five five six to another caliber become a beneficial thing? Like who is that guy and what is that context? I mean, and go. <laughs> I mean, Bam. That, that all depends on the caliber, right? And what that, what that, what that dude is doing, right? So, yeah, what, what, what is his, his, his like log train and his, his function look like? And I mean, again, like you know, going back to the very definition of it, his primary purpose is a, is as a rifleman. Well, that's that's your deciding factor for me. That I look at that, that would be the deciding factor, but. If if it's a, a caliber change, um, then if he's a specialized part of a specialized team, okay, cool. You know, I mean, you're you're kind of you're kind of down that route anyway. But um, well, and I mean, outside of like outside of the, uh, the 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 army stuff, and no offense to you guys, I just don't. I, I have no idea what y'all are talking about half the time, right? Like, and that's just because I just I ain't never did that thing. But just I'm talking about words. specifically on. Uh, specifically on the side of like just I think Mark, Mark, my my biggest thing, it's not going to be a yard line or a wind condition or anything like that. Honestly, right. for me, it's or I mean, logistics is a solid point. Like it's probably the I mean, it's the number one point as far as I'm concerned. Followed closely by how much maneuvering am I required to do, and how much potential close range threat do I have. And what, what am I, what am I additionally carrying? Like, are your DMS also issued pistols or are they not? Or are you carrying a pistol? Are you not carrying a pistol because carrying a pistol over land movement fucking sucks, right? Like there's a lot more that I would go into on that, which in terms of like just me being able to fight with the gun versus sort of like the ballistic performance. Um, you know, Hey, if I'm going to be more static and I want to be able to, you know, buck wind a little bit better than fuck yeah, going to a, a 308 or a 6.5 or whatever I could that, that's going to give me that ability to, to huck a little line. And I'm, I'm going to kind of ignore 6 arc right now because it doesn't have a Dodic uh, yet, but um, in that realm. But yeah, for me, it's going to be how much maneuvering do you expect me to do and what like closer range threats, you know, what is the MP color, MD color or most probable or most likely and most dangerous course of action that I'm going to face. And that's going to dictate 
how I'm doing, what I'm doing or what I'm carrying, uh, you know, kind of for me. And, and outside of a military or law enforcement uh, capability or, or role, can you even take the shot legally? Like, can you, can you articulate that you could take that yeah. shot at a given not only Not on a humanoid. Right? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, Hey, uh, I can shoot a dude, you know, in his face at X, X distance. Can I articulate that that was a threat to me as, as a civilian? Probably not. And then, and then let, let's just talk a little bit about competition, right? So we got a bunch ah. of dudes shooting, shooting five, five, six guns, right? GP quantified performance, that does sort of thing. Right? Quantified performance. What's that? It's a, it's, it's the thing. What's cool. We'll talk about it in a minute, but so if we got, got hole where all your there, dreams go to die, right? Yeah. A lot of egos been crushed there. So, <gasps> we got a guy that's shooting by himself, right? And I've recommended this a few times. We got a guy that's shooting by himself, and he doesn't have like he might go with the go with the wife, the kids, whatever, but he doesn't have a shooter buddy that he's going with. Seeing splash with five five six past like five hundred gets really fucking hard. Right. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And seeing seeing a target wiggle by yourself, especially if you're on a like a GP optic that is maxed out at like 10 right now. There's a March thing that's about 15, but seeing that by yourself, you don't really know when, and you're kind of working by yourself, and you don't have a buddy. I recommend to do switch over to 762 for a little while and start seeing what that wind is doing, start carving that pathway, seeing the splash, getting to get good reps in. Right. And, that, and that's that's kind of the thing. Five, five, six, I can I kind of know my wind call and I kind of know what's happening and I kind of kind of know all that sort of stuff. I can kind of predict where that bullet's going and I can I can make corrections on it. But if I'm not seeing that and I'm getting my ass whooped and I'm just launching fucking 60 rounds downrange at a fucking 600 yard target and I'm not getting anything back from it, going to something like 762 that I'm going to see splash, 65 Creedmoor, something like that, that I'm either 65 Creedmoor, I'm getting around the wind and even, you know, even six arc and the six wonder bread rounds and all that sort of stuff. If I can negate wind, then my wind call becomes less important. If I can see my splash and I can make a good adjustment off of that splash, then I'm better off than if I didn't have either of those. I got a five five six just flying super fucking slow, just getting affected by the wind really bad, and I can't see the fucking splash. Doing that, switching that caliber for that reason, whether it stays there or not, but switching the caliber for that reason to get more effect, better effect 
as he's shooting is something that I have recommended in the past. Oh, hundred percent. I'm, I'm all for mechanical <laughs> advantage. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I would say so heavy. Like I think when it comes to DMR SPR rolls, and this is one of my beefs with, you know, I see a lot of guys talking nowadays about launching, you know, your 55 or 62 grand to like 800 yards. It's like, that's cool. If you have a guy standing behind you with a 40 X scope to help you spot and walk you on. If you're running, trying to do that with a one to six, bro, I've got a thousand dollars that says you cannot break fucking 50% like hit rate on that, on a target that has no, like is not on the front face of a berm. It's just out in the middle of a field somewhere and it's on you to fucking hit it. You're going to spend like you said, 60 rounds going at the same target. Mm-hmm. So I think that one going heavy for caliber on five, five, six is super important because of that splash. The same reason why people in King of two mile, like it's why there's extra money that tub puts up every year. If you shoot, you know, a light small gun. Uh, but then the flip side to that is if you do jump up, now you've got an inexperienced shooter shooting a, a, a more difficult to shoot well platform, right? A large frame gasser in six, five, three Oh eight, six, whatever the fuck is definitely going to exploit the weaknesses in their fundamentals as a newer shooter. than that five, five, six gun or what they can get away with. Right. So it's, I a hundred percent agree, but there's almost like a, a chicken in the egg kind of thing here. Right. Like if well, I give a right. guy and, no knowledge and I fucking give him a gun that I have no knowledge and no experience. And I give him a gun that is going to make up for that visually, but he can't fucking shoot it repeatedly or consistently enough to get, to make good decisions out of it. Well, it's kind of a, kind of a wash, man. Kind of fucked either way. You know? What I, what I yeah. see a lot, man. And, and I think, I think Ash would, would probably, uh, you know, parrot this. There's a lot of guys in the DMR world that'll treat a caliber swap the same way pistol dudes will treat a red dot addition to it to a pistol, right? As if like I put the red dot on the gun, therefore I am now going to hit things better. And and they never fix the marksmanship part of of what was actually wrong. And then they go to a bigger caliber, thinking that this is why I'm I'm missing. It's because of the you know for, for whatever concoction they come up with, the caliber is going to save me. And then what happens is, is the caliber doesn't save them. They still do poorly. And then they'll spend the rest of their time knocking the caliber, right? As if it's pointless and there's no reason to use it. And, you know, and, and it's kind of like, man, like that, that's kind of like one of the reasons I wanted to do something like this was to kind of help people understand, like, what, what am I looking for in a, in a, a caliber? And like, what, what is a, a, a good barrel length and what does a scope do for me? And what does a certain weight projo do for me, you know, and, and so on and so forth. But I think so many guys are just doing like what, what Ash was talking about, uh, the, the fella in the, in the squad that he just gets a rifle, he gets no, you know, supportive equipment and he just goes and hopes for the best dude. That's what the, that's what the bottom 50% of the, the shooters at matches are doing. They're showing up with BDC reticled one to sixes and, and they don't know why this isn't working, right? Like they don't, they don't understand like, cause they've been sold a lie, right? All you need is this, this super duper BDC reticle and, and, and all this stuff, you know, and, and you can, you can shoot 600 yards with your, uh, 10, 10, three Mark 18. Cause I seen this seal do it on a YouTube video, you know, and all this and, and, and they they don't understand why this isn't working for me. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's, and, and that's, that's one of the big reasons why we did general purpose, right? And, and, and I'm not trying to turn this into a quantified performance thing, but <clears throat> literally quantified performance was written around this, right? A general purpose gun is the army issued fucking M110 E1 SDMR. That is a fucking general purpose gun. Fracture what does precision. that mean to a normal dude? Is that like a, that's a 308, right? There's 308, 16 inch gun with the one to six, right? Okay. And then the, Practical precision is the M110, which is a 20-inch 7.62 gun with now it's got a Mark V on it. 
like 3.6 to 18 or whatever that Mark five is. Got one sitting like right here on the floor. I don't, don't remember what it is, but, and then open is whatever you want to do. So to do well at a quantified performance match, you need to be able to know your bullet is in flight, call wind and be able to use the scope that you have. That's exactly what the SDM needs to do. And you got to do it by yourself. You don't have a buddy. Unless you come to the team match on 22nd April, just had a snick day in there. But you don't have a buddy, right? It's just you. So you need to know, one, where your bullet is in flight. You need to know what the wind is. You need to do a well-aimed shot. You have to be stable enough to hold that thing. And you need to be able to do that fairly rapidly. Um, so... And that, that's the other thing, and people get into these on, on all these Instagram threads, and I know you've seen it, and the probably reason for one of these podcasts is they get into all these things, and they're talking about SC, SPRs and, and DMRs and all these fucking guns, and they're building all these fucking things, right? And we're not going to do it, right? Unless the zombie apocalypse happens, right? We're not going to be blasting fucking dudes at fucking, you know, down the road. Now there's some handful of cops but the when i talk to the fbi guy i talk to him every year and i ask him because he's fbi sniper dude and i ask him i'm like hey law enforcement sniper engagements what's the range and he's like right now 48 yards for this year it, it was up to like 92 there for a little while and started creeping back in but the police snipers are shooting shit at less than a fucking hundred yards. Now they're having to shoot. They're either shooting a fucking like that guy shot the dude's pistol out of his fucking hand so he could de-escalate the situation. That was fucking cool. That was a good shot, right? Or they're shooting the dude in the fucking eyeball, right? They're doing whatever they is in, in to do. So it's not that that is just because it's at fucking 82 yards or whatever it is doesn't mean that it was a fucking super easy fucking shot. But it's still at a relatively short range. So if we're murking dudes at fucking distance, we're in some sort of war, right? So barring a war, competition is the only place that we're going to be fucking really doing that at. Competition classes. So, so, that's the, we're doing so, that. yeah. so domestically, right? So the ASA, the American Sniper Association, puts out a survey every two years. Um and I'll give shout out to you know Brian Sane, Derek Bartlett, his crew over there that put this together because they, for no pay, put a ton of time and effort into data get uh, data gathering all that. So currently, as of the last one, it was 57 yards. I think according to Brian, that Border Patrol is doing their best to up that. Um, but the longest engagement domestically, as of you know today, uh, to my knowledge, is 596 yards with a domestic law enforcement shot. The longest right. patrol rifle shot, uh, because uh, Jeff Feltz from Center Mass is put, trying to put together the same thing for patrol rifle. Uh, the longest one, I believe, is. Uh, from Phoenix PD, it was just 300 yards with iron sights. The kid had five days of training before he took that shot and dumped the guy during a uh, a, a, a crisis. Um, so, like, I, yes, yeah, I, I I do believe that what you're saying is correct. Uh, but you know, the LE guys have their own mission; they've got to do their own stuff, and there is a lot of bleeder. I think the SPR and law enforcement is like whether those go together like peanut butter and jelly like they can do yeah. if you do ammo test against the glass and all of the older stuff that people talk about with like glass defeat if you wouldn't take that shot with a 556 five, you wouldn't take that shot with 762 if your career was on the line for it right um so I, I just think a lot of those arguments go away uh that being said though i think one of the reasons why it's become such popularity recently is it's just trends of the industry but it also comes down to like you know, unless you're going to be mark who's a fucking gm with a pistol like 
most guys go through a few classes and then they're kind of like, well, am I going to go and learn how to do it a speed reload again? Or like, you know, am I going to go learn how to do a better ready up or <clears throat> this like thing with guns? It's like the cool part about long range shooting is that every shot's a new shot. Right. So whether it was, if you take a shot and you missed, like you've got to, you've got to learn, like see what happened, learn what happened, immediately apply that to get your next hit. Right. If you, you go to a new location, everything's new. Winds are different. Terrain's different, which is affects how the winds are behaving. Like ranges are different. Light conditions are different. Targets are in different places. So every time you go to shoot, it's not paper at seven yards and you're, you're against a timer. And like, there are guys that love that and will go after the maximum performance of that guys like Mark, you know, who can do that. And then there's guys that like, they, it's not their thing. And they, they see this as something else where it's something to learn. And it's got, I don't want to say a, a, a deeper hole to dive, but you know, shooting is kind of like sewing circles. Everybody's always looking for something to do. Right. And so like the uh, there's a lot of holes to deep dive in the long range game that, that guys that aren't pushing the bleeding edge of performance with a pistol carbine or a PCC or are, um, aren't going to get, you know? Yeah. And dude, I think that the 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 benefits of understanding, like, so you know, I, I I have the kind of this thing that I created a curriculum based off of, which was like, okay, all the all the dudes that come to the DMR matches that do very very poorly, like, what are the common denominators here, right? And like, how can we start to kind of affect the the lowest on on the on the playing field, and and what are the main issues that they're dealing with, right? And it's it's essentially either bad zero or, or no zero. And when I say no zero, I mean, uh, they, they didn't even check the zero. They, they, they didn't even like think about it. Bad zero is good enough zero, right. Uh, until they find out that good enough is only good enough until it ain't. Um, the, the next is either bad data or no data. They either, either Googled something or looked at the box of ammo and said, Oh, my hold is this based on what the box says. Like, they, and they don't understand this stuff. Right. Um, then the next is, they truly, I, I, I think, man, I, I've kind of come full circle on something. I, I think there's a lot of guys, you know, so Alex here uh, taught me something very profound a, a long time ago. He may not even remember this conversation he had with me, but he explained to me what, uh, what he called the burden of knowledge, which is you, you don't, it's very easy to forget how much you didn't know. Right. And, and when you're teaching somebody that knows nothing, it's very easy to skip over things unintentionally that you just assume they know because you've known it for so long and understood it for so long that you forget about it. Right. I think there are so many people that, that exist that truly do not understand ballistic art. Like they, they don't understand what's happening to that projo in relation to that line of sight at the distance. Um, and it's a hell of a thing to try to give it to them, right? Like it's, it's like, you can draw it, you can do all kinds of stuff, but I think until you like experience it enough, it doesn't really come full circle to like, I, I get it. Um, so they don't understand ballistic arc. They um, don't understand the principles of stability and how to find it. They, they don't know how to get stable um, or they just don't know what, what we would call basic rifle marksmanship. There's not very good shooters with a rifle. Um, or they're slow as molasses. And I, th I think Ash harps on this a lot. It's, it's, it drives me banana sandwich when a buzzer goes off and a dude will like waddle his ass up to a barricade. Like, the, like did, sir, did you know this was a time to vent? You know what I mean? Like, let's, let's go. Um, and so all of that, I, I, I'd be remiss to, to, to not say like how much better that has made me of a red dot shooter at 200 and like understanding those things. You know what I mean? Like, I feel really, really, really capable with a red dot today, 
significantly more so than I was three, four, five years ago, based on what I understand about what I learned at these DMR uh, classes and, 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 and matches. Um, like, it, like it, as it pertains to like, okay, you're going to throw a 50 yard zero on the gun. Well, where is your bullet in flight at 72 yards? What, what is 72 yards? Like, can you call that? Like, do you know where that is? Oh, cool. You're not a human range finder, right? What a neat thing to observe about yourself. Um, what is what is happening with your with your uh, laser aiming module at, at you know your converging zero, but now we're at a hundred yards. You know, like, and I understand all of this stuff and what's happening with the bullet based on somebody threw me into an arena and said, "Go perform," right? And I was like, "Dang, that didn't work. I need to figure out how this works." You know, and and so I think it's it's even if you're not that guy, right? Like, even if you're not like. Oh, well, I don't want to be a sniper. Okay, cool. Right. We, we see that. <laughs> um, even if you're not that guy, it's, it's by default going to make you a better dot gun guy in, in dot gun ranges, right? Like it's just going to make things easier because you now understand what's going on based on time on task and, and failing and learning. hundred percent. I think that's what I was getting at is, is, is you're a better educated shooter right? Which you can apply to everything else that you've done. And it's kind of like, you know, pistol shooting today versus pistol shooting 10 years ago, which is funny. Cause like <clears throat> 10 years ago, it was terrible. Now it's like everybody and their brother can shoot a 90 plus in less than 20 seconds, dot irons, whatever the fuck. Right. Uh, because everybody's just gotten a better pistol, but I mean, we're still not back to where like police pistol leagues were in like the seventies and eighties when dudes had, you know, printing revolvers at 50 yards. Right. So like we're, we're, it, but having this better educated populace of shooters, is always a good thing in my opinion yeah and i i, I think too there's there's more of uh of an understanding uh, well maybe not more of an understanding but at least uh uh more more people that don't look at things as as so delineated as as there was before they're you know chasing capabilities where like I want to be as capable from zero out to max effective range of weapon system instead of saying like, Oh, I live right here in this range. Like everything outside of that is, is like not my world. I don't care about that versus people that are saying, okay, I want to get better with my pistol. I want to get better with my carbine. I want to get better with my rifle, blah, 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 blah. And just push that zero to max effective distance out. And that's where a lot of these guys are starting to get curious into the, SPR, DMR, they don't know this world and they want to fi- kind of figure it out. And, and it's, it's, Dude, I, I'm, I'm so excited about that. That's super cool, right? Like the, the more that we can create a, a community that is constantly striving for like what is possible, mm-hmm. the more that, that, that bar will raise, you know what I mean? Like, like, the, like I, I often wonder like in, in like 20 or 30 years, what, what are, what are people going to be doing that we perceive to be damn near impossible today? You know what I mean? Like it's, it's super cool. Um, you know, like, like freaking, uh, Alex's video, like if, if you've never tried this, like go try it and you'll understand how amazing it is. Like the 300 yard shot and sub three from standing control ready. Like that's, that's amazing. Like, and, and most people would never even consider attempting something like that based on the fact that they just, they're just like, God, oh, it's just not even a doable thing. You know what I mean? Um, and I think the, if, if we can like by default, stretching out targets to a, to a far away place and saying, okay, cool, man, you, you can put up a, uh, you know, a 95 or better on a B8 in, in less than seven seconds at 25 yards with a, with a dot gun. What can you do at 300 or 400 or 500? Like in stretching that is going to by default make the shorter range stuff that much easier. And we're going to start to see things get, get more and more like 
wow, I, I didn't even know that we were going to see a human being do that. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's really, really cool. There's two other things here. And I know we're, we're talking DMRs. And so it's like, I think just brings us like why the popularity and why people are pursuing it. Like one, so precision rifle shooting in general grew, like exploded from 2013 till now, right. With PRS and NRL and, and sort of that, like, you know, the trajectory that that took and everything, right? and the industry backed it all of a sudden, you know, it was a, it was a, uh, you know, a land grab for, for precision rifle stuff. Right. So one, it is the gateway drug, right? If you have a rifle and you put an optic on it, you feed it some decent ammo, you're probably going to get good enough performance out of it to do what you want to do, right? That's number one. So it's 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 the barrier to entry for most shooters is a lot lower than going full bore into like the far end of precision curious, right? The other thing about it is if you guys have shot, then I know y'all have, but you know, for people that haven't, like it's just funner than shit to jump down on one of these guns Dude. and go work on some steel, right? And like- like it, it, like it can be training and it can be legit and you can be like building this like hyper capability of your average, you know, uh, armed professional gun owner, but it is, I've never seen somebody get up from just blazing steel at distance quickly and not be smiling ear to ear. Dude, it's the most fun you can have a clothes on. I'm convinced of it. Like <laughs> it's, it's like, there's there's something and and it, maybe it's just like a normal dude thing, right? And I keep I keep saying normal dude thing because like I I, I want to emphasize the fact. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I don't have the experience you guys have as far as like dealing with the, the war stuff and all this, right? Um, but like to a normal dude, there's something like that's pretty powerful about being able to be like really good at 600 yards away. Like that's 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 empowering, man. Uh, that that feels pretty cool. It is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 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 like I say, and that you know, looping back to the competition thing, the competition gets people to classes like Alex's classes, right? It gets people, they, they see, even if they don't come to a quantified performance match, they see these dudes shooting out there and they're like, they're hitting out with five, five, six guns. And, you know, how do you do that? And then they, then they start looking at it and they go, Oh, there's a, you know, they're up in the Northeast and they're like, Hey, there's a really good fucking course right up here fucking by me. You know, they, they see Mark stuff. They, they get to a class, <clears throat> then they get some skills built up and then, then maybe they try match. Maybe they don't, maybe they just get into it and they just do it for the class and they, and they go and they, and never even go shoot a match, but they got the skill based off of that, right? Based off of that, you know, you know, kind of, kind of lighten that little fire in them. And then, you know, the, the real world application is, is, is super cool. Right. And the other, one of the other arguments with the army SDM, I've heard three 
and I, I keep waiting for Scott to get on here because he's supposed to be coming soon, but I've heard three war stories of uh, people, somebody that was in an SDM role actually doing SDM thing. Mine, Chuck Pressburg's, where he was talking about it one, one time, one of the, either, either in the thread or a podcast or something. Um, and Ash, like, what is an SDM role? Like, like your actual, you, you have the, you have the optically, it used to be optically, optically enhanced rifle, but you have the, you're the SDM, right? You're the squad designated marksman. You, you have this extra. Oh, squad designated marksman. Okay. Got it. Okay. So there's been a lot of dudes do some really cool shots. There's been a lot of dudes do some cool things in Afghanistan, all that sort of stuff, but <clears throat> actual dude in an actual role, actually doing these shots, right? purposely i'm there on purpose i have the right equipment and i'm doing these shots and like one other dude that i ran into that had the old <clears throat> had an old sam r um but it just comes down to a dude having to do a shot right and where, where competition and classes come in is we present the opportunity to do that shot Right. Until you tried to shoot, because we, we had to, we did the thousand yard thing. That was like one or two matches before he came work. And we had a thousand yard target and it was prone. It was a thousand yards, full size Ipsic at a thousand yards. And we ran everybody I've seen through. That. I've seen that bastard. Yeah. And we, we, we even printed out a thousand yard certificate and RO had it right there. It was already signed by us and RO had it right there and had a little block for RO initial. And if you got a hit on that target, you got a thousand yard certificate right there, a thousand yard club, right? And RO was handed to you right there. And I think we gave out like 52 certs that match, something like that. And like 25 of them were dudes with a 16 inch 5.56 gun. And it was just a perfect day, perfect conditions for it. Winds weren't bad. The berm was splashing pretty good. And they were like, they got a little bit of splash you know third or fourth round they get a hit on it and they're like Ooh, everybody's fucking excited right and part of where that comes from is people talk about now that's a very low percentage shock right a thousand yard five six gun is is not not average right but people talk about these these range yard bands <clears throat> they're like yeah that's a that's a max effective range of 550 yards what happens at 551 does a bullet just fucking stop? Does it like and just fall straight to the ground? Oh, it's like an RPG, right? And until you until you stretch that boundary, and you get people and you you force people to go past that range where they think they can hit at, then it's impossible, right? It's always impossible until somebody does it or they do it. Well, and if remember how we get our max effective ranges. Most of the people, most of the time, can hit a target about this size at said yeah. distance. Right. You know, that's that's how doctrinally it's decided, not necessarily yeah. mechanical yeah. capabilities of the weapon. It's like and, and, I didn't and, know that. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it's, it's all basically in a nutshell. That's yeah. how it is in yeah. in the military. Huh. But but on the on the and and I call it the commercial side. That's just where it's at in my brain. Right, but on the civilian side, um, we have a very good source of information. But they they say things like, "Oh, that's a two hundred yard gun," and they base it off of 
the bullet and the bullet effects at certain velocities, right? So they got this, I, I think it was what, Matt, you might remember, it was like 2250 or fucking 2200 feet per second on a 5.56 round, and that's where 5.56 did did lethal work effectively on the human body or fucking whatever. And so that was for a long time, those, those numbers were thrown around. So they'd look at it and they'd be like, Oh, well, if it goes below 2200 feet per second, and they'd look at the little data chart and be my 11 five is only a fucking 192 yard gun. So I shouldn't shoot anybody out there past that because it's not going to have effectiveness on them. And it's, it's really, it's really bullshit and hearsay, but it, but it is mission dependent because they're trying to get us to that, mission drives the gear right so is mission dependent on what i need to do do i need to poke a hole in a piece of paper because i can poke a hole in a piece of paper at 600 yards with a with a 77 grain 14.5 and i can make a little piece of steel move at 400 yards with the fucking 11.5 with 5.56 and 77 grain right that's a whole lot different than than incapacitation of a human being that's in a war right there's there's huge huge numbers that are different on there and even between making a piece of steel ring and poking a hole in a piece of paper that effective range is completely fucking different based on that mission set of what i'm trying to do and so with that you know let's just kind of lean on this uh the mission drives the gear a little bit because i think spending some time in there really would help people decide on what they're trying to do right so Let's let let's say that the you're going to go to Alex's, you know, I, I don't know what you're calling your class, Alex. And I apologize for that. I should know. I should 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 have googled it. But basically, your your DMR SPR type class, right? Your what what's your maximum range that you're shooting to at those? Just on average, we typically call it at 600 uh, for qualification purposes or anything like that. We'll push depending on what the, the, the length of the range is if we're traveling, but usually we're shutting her down at six uh, as far as max distance. Okay. And that, that's on a, what size target you try to do out there full size. So, we, so no, we'll take them down to like a six inch plate. So okay. we're going to try to see where that, where their mechanical accuracy falls off, where their ability to call wind falls off. And then the way that we're set up is a little bit like, so I have like, so it's not just me at Ridgeline. I've got some of like, uh, uh, there's a brain trust at Ridgeline of some of like the best snipers that I've ever worked with. And uh, we built the range to be able to like buck schoolhouse sniping, right? Like we want to teach dudes how to go real world, how to go real world fast. And we've put a ton of time, effort, and money into building that range to be able to support it. So we have targets from 66% or excuse me, from full size IPSX down to six inch plates, um, scattered. We have roughly about 250 targets on that range, uh, scattered from about 125 to 600 at various, uh, angles and stuff like that. So, uh, you, you have, the it's amazing. To see where you're at, right? Like yeah. you can get, you can get any, yeah, it's, it's getting better from, from even last year, Mark, when you were up here to, to what we've kind of redone over the winter in terms of resetting steel and everything out and, and flushing it out completely as we finished excavation. Um, plus the towers getting completed. It's better every time. It's better every time I come. Like every time there's something new. Like I'm I'm not typically one to like, you know, just completely dote over uh, a, another uh, company. But like, dude, man, 
Ridgeline has got it going on better than anybody I have seen. And that is from coast to coast at all of the stuff that I've done, which isn't everything, but it's a lot of things. And like, that's, it's untouchable. No, I appreciate that. It's, it's been a lot of work, but we, we, we built it specifically to, to get to Ash's question, like to break down what is your true capability. And then also to give guys decision points, what can you get away with? Like, what can you, what can you do and what can you get away with? Cause I think that's a huge part of precision shooting, especially when you, you backstop the, like if we look at 600 yards, right. The first half of that zero to three for us, for, for the middle side of the house, like you're still with inside threat weapon range. So like he who hits first wins. Right. And so like, you've got to know when you can go fast. The backside of that is when you need to like, okay, Hey, how big is that target? Well, if the target's a full size, I can still slime out a lot in terms of my firing solution and get a hit. Now, if that target is partially obscured, that target is low contrast, it's in poor light conditions, or it's just fucking small, right? Or it's, you know, start to be smaller than the MOA capability of my weapon optic ammo combination, you know, with whatever I'm shooting. Well, at that point I need to, I know that my parameters uh, need to get tighter, right? I need to have a, a Nats ass range to target so that I can start to take or steal variables back off the table. And so we've like, we've built that. So it's not just for us to run you through prescribed course of fire. Our hope and our goal is that you start to learn your own decision-making points, just like a CQB decision-making point. Same thing for the sniper side, which is something that we've seen not done very well in any of the schoolhouses that we were products of. Uh, It was always either too slow, very deliberate engagement, or I'm not going to say too fast, but or you were trying to get away with too much. And sometimes you got lucky and sometimes you didn't. Right. Um, And we're trying to figure out or trying to develop the scenarios with which you can kind of learn experientially when, when you can throttle down and when you need to throttle back. Yeah. Performance-based shooting doesn't stop at like close distances and, you know, knowing your, your, your throttle control, uh, what, what is the minimum, uh, you know, accuracy and precision necessary to accomplish tasks. And I, I think that that's something that, you know, when you have the capabilities of the tools, that understanding enables you to maximize your your equipment. And you know, and that's what I that that's primarily what I'm saying about the the lower half of the the field. You know, at these DFR matches, they just don't understand how to like. They don't understand what you're talking about. You know what I mean? Like they don't yeah. know what targets you can swag. They don't know what targets need. You know, like perfect as perfect as possible or as perfect as needed precision they, they because they don't understand the ballistic arc they don't understand it in relation to you know what the target measures in mills and and, and all these different factors and man it's it's so much good brain food like if you actually go to a dmr match to to, to learn like you'll and it's your first one holy smokes man like bring a notepad um it's it's a lot there's a lot going on that brings some water <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was one of the cool things about going through uh, Buck Doyle's class a couple times. And back then, I think it was just called scope carbine. But the, basically, the culmination exercise, once we're done shooting known distance, and we had some pretty major wins to try to deal with, the culmina- culmination exercise was we had close targets, we had far targets, we had intermediate, and it was completely unknown to the shooter where everything was. And basically, uh, Buck runs you, literally, we are running from station to station, shooting various distances. And what a cool experience to put everything together like that. And, okay, things are close. Things are big. We have to shoot fast. Okay, things are further out. Okay, it's going to be a lot more deliberate. We have to think about this. 
good, good stuff. And that's that's why that's why performance out yonder curriculum was developed, man. It's like I, I got sick of guys talking about like it's almost like we think of if it's if it's inside of two hundred yards, we can kind of throw precision out the window, you know, and we don't need to know like anything. And it's like, well, man, like you need to know where your bullet is in flight. You need to know uh, how to get stable on whatever barricade that you're dealing with. And then like, you know, you, you, you'll watch guys hit, you know, a reduced C-zone plate at 300 yards over and over and over. But then like, if you'll switch them over to a, a four inch tall by eight inch wide rectangle at 72 yards, they will fall all to pieces. You know what I mean? And, it, and it's like, it, it's because, you, you know, it's not, it's not enough to just point and click. Right. Like you, you need to understand some, some, some things about what's going on here. And that's, uh, that's what I found was, was kind of lacking in what I was interested in. Um, and so I created a curriculum. It's, it's a, it's a 400 yard curriculum and it's based on like, you know, LPBO and, and magnified dot kind of stuff, but it's, it's primarily centered around like, dude, you need to completely understand your zero and where your bullet is in flight and how to find stability on anything. Cause you don't get a PRS barricade in Walmart, right? Like it's, it's just not a thing. Um, so it's, it's, and it's, it's based around that sort of stuff that you were talking about, right? Like there's, there's short targets, there's far targets, there's in between targets, there's small targets, big targets. And, and like, like Alex said earlier, like every, every shot's a new shot. Um, and, and the more, you know, the, the better off you're going to work out. So speaking of that kind of stuff, would it be a bad idea for us just to touch upon zeros and how the 500, the 50 and the 200 is universal for every gun ever made? <clears throat> yeah, that's right. Where is my pistol at? Yeah. <laughs> my, my favorite part of that whole discussion is people pull up these charts Right. And they go on there and they go into the AB or they go into their stray lock or they go into fucking whatever, four off fucking horny shit. And they pull it up and they're like, my zero, if I, if I zero at 50 and at 200, it's a 1.5 minutes difference. That's fine. They're like, and that, that, just, that just tells me what that dude's, but that, you know, that, that settles the whole argument right there. Right. Probably 10 minutes. Because, anyway, so it don't matter. Right. And because if the, if the guy's only worried about, you know, he's, he's in this, this four minute, five minute, six minute fucking zone. And he's not worried about one minute. Then yeah, dude, you're, you're 50 equals 200 and fucking move out. They're like, well, it's only a minute and a half difference. Well, how much is a minute and a half at 200 yard? If I'm trying to shoot around in it, when we're, when we're talking about next gen and just bring next gen back into this, when we're talking about it a lot, everybody's like, I don't need, and a lot of people said this, and a lot of big names said this, I don't need to penetrate armor. I'll just shoot around it, right? Which is cool, right? If I shoot a dude in the chest and he doesn't fall down and be like, hey, that dude's got fucking plates on, then I can shoot him in the face, I can shoot him in the hips, I can shoot him somewhere else, get some effect, get him down on the ground, you know, not knock out his mobility, didn't get him down on the ground and then turn into Swiss cheese as many times as I need to, right? Sounds really fucking cool. On paper. I mean, I mean, I mean, it sounds cool. Just like, yeah, I'll just shoot the fucking dude in the face. No big fucking deal. And you're like, all right, cool. And I'm looking at the numbers and 82nd Airborne is getting on a fucking 36 by a fucking 20 inch wide target. They've got a fucking 60% hit rate on that target at 200 yards. 
really well, so, yeah. i mean here's to say having spent time in the army as well as the marine corps i will say that the army and the general purpose force by and large has no clue how to fucking appropriately zero and they've been done dirty by alt c for fucking years and so the problem is that they don't know or unwittingly have a 25 yard zero on 90 percent of their shit and then they go out and attempt to hit those things and they don't do well with it um yeah. I'll also say this, like, you know, honestly, 5,200 on a red dot gun, if I've got 1.5 minutes of difference, dude, that's smaller than the dot that I have in my red dot. It's like, you really going to shoot the difference on that? You know, so again, I've just come down as like, what can your gun mechanically hold the difference or is it lost in the noise, right? So I would come down to like, is the juice worth the squeeze at what level of mechanical accuracy does your system hold? And and can the shooter hold? Can the shooter hold the difference of 1.5 minutes? Like, I would say your average E2, E3 cannot, right? Uh, with a government rack rate issued M4. So yeah, I mean, if you want to talk zeros, I mean, I have my own my personal thoughts on zeros and, and why I run what I run. Uh, but I do know that there are other, other ones and other ways. And it can be depending on like Mark's got some combos where his shit works like for fucking everything he want to do. He can point and click, right? Cause it's just the way that that the cookie crumbled based on mount height, based on velocity, projectile barrel, like whatever. And so it works. I mean, for me, I do it different, you know, but also I know myself too. And I think there's a, a human aspect of a lot of this because we all like to just run numbers, but like, Every gun that I've shot, you know, at a high level professionally for the last fucking 17 years has been with a hundred yard zero. Cause my, my brain understands how that bullet behaves in relation to that with that zero, uh, both between me and zero distance and zero distance. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Beyond. And so for like the ability to solve at speed or, you know, it just, it is what it is. It goes fast for me. Um, but no, I mean, I, again, I think, you know, one of the, my grandmother used to say like, we make, don't make a mountain out of a molehill. I think a lot of times the shooting community, we do like, we'll focus on, we'll hyper-focus in things that are like, eh, kind of important. And we'll skip right over the steps. Like Mark was saying, like how many guys show up and you're like, Hey man, what'd you shoot that? And you're like, Oh, I had, I had, you know, two, two mils dialed on. They're like, well, why? Well, I was at 200 yards. I'm like, well, who the fuck told you that? Right. And, you know, so I think there's a, there's a different force wins. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was like, two is two, right? And you're like, sweet mother of God, please let there be a shit, right? Um, and so I think there's, 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 you know, there's honestly, there's, there has to be a legitimate conversation of what you're trying to do with what you're trying to do it with, with the people you're trying to do it with or for, uh, to be able to tell you what is good enough and what isn't, you know, like, like, uh, Mark was just saying, you know, like, Hey, you know, I can do this. I can hold that whatever. Like, you know, one of my, my probably slow, it'll probably say on my fucking gravestone, right. Good enough is, 
you know, like it just depends on what is good enough. And, and as soon as it is, you can send that shot. If it's not, then you got to get good enough. Um, yeah. But that that's just kind of uh, how I look at all that sort of stuff. Well, I think the biggest difference between uh, uh, just quickly, I think the biggest difference though, between the concerns or the things that Mark's bringing up about the common person spouting, yeah, this is zero, blah, 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 blah. They don't necessarily know what the trajectory of their rounds are going to be versus the people that actually shoot their guns and pay attention and the document. The majority have no idea what their trajectory is doing. Yeah. And then, then you've got things like the loophole Mark six. And I, I use a Mark six as an example. The Mark six is designed to be a 200 yard zero. That That's what that scope, the one to six Mark six is a 200 yard fucking zero on it. These are, there's some of these other BDCs is it's super big on BDCs is they set the BDC up for that caliber at a specific zero point. So if you're using that sort of scope that has that sort of thing, then that's kind of a guide for where that scope's supposed to be fucking zeroed at. Right. And that's it. That's the other thing that people don't take into account on those arguments. Everybody's like, you know, cause I, I run a hundred, hundred yard zero on everything's got a, a mill tree or anything like that. I run a hundred yard zero on it, but the Mark six, I put a 200 yard zero on it because everything that's in there is designed for a fucking 200 yard zero. So if you run a B, if you're running a BDC, like even if you're not staying with the grain weight or, or density altitude that it's prescribed for, as, as long as you're getting close to that zero distance that it's it's selling, like you're gonna be good enough ish, depending on target size, to like three, four hundred yards. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. And I, I mean, you know, BDC reticles are are you know, some people think of those as like crutches or they're not as specific enough. But again, what are you trying to do? You know, like how much precision is actually needed for what you're asking it to do? And right, if it works, it's, it works. Yeah, and and how far how far off of that BDC are you, right? So if the if the BDC is cut in there for a 77 grain 5.56, so I have a 16 inch barrel, and you're shooting a 14 five inch barrel, BDC is still going to be fairly close. Yes, range matters, but that BDC is still going to be fucking pretty getting pretty damn close. So since Scott's on here, I tell you I how. I have a question oh, for ahead. Scott. So I didn't notice of, him. Yeah, he snuck in there. Uh, Scott, does AMU still run the SDM course? No. He's gone. Okay. But we were, we, earlier we were talking about SDM training for like army type stuff. <laughs> so NGMTC. It, yeah. It's, NGMTC. I think the last surviving was is NGMTC. There's yeah. some MTTs too. Like I think they do one at Fort Dix every year uh, or a couple times a year. Um I think maybe I don't think they do it at Fort Devons or haven't in a while, but yeah, NGMTC still puts on several SDM classes a year. Yeah, and I, and, I, and the, the reason that I want to talk about that is back in the day when SDM was first first coming back big into the army, uh, AMU was going around and they were doing a pretty good SDM course, right? I teach you guys to show up and they put it on and go out to the UKD range, and it wasn't the school's fault because they taught whoever showed up. But what the divisions were doing, what the brigades were doing, is they were sending a bunch of E5s to the SDM course, right? So the E5 goes to the SDM course, and he learns it, and he shoots it. And just about the time that he gets good at being an SDM, he gets promoted, and now he doesn't have time to transfer that fucking knowledge on. So now I have, and now in particularly, now in the Army, I've issued a gun, right? And that's why I needed, wanted to know if the school was still running. But they were going to do the same thing. So now they've got a gun issued. Then the only dude that's training this gun 
is is off doing other shit. He's got a completely other fucking job. He's got fucking ten dudes that he's trying to run and fucking war fight rather than fucking shoot small percentage targets. But that, that was just something that since, since Scott popped on. But the army um, loves to do that with capabilities <laughs> across the board. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We we, we train the wrong dude, and it's supposed to be trickle down economics or fucking train the trainer type fucking bullshit, and uh, it, it it never works out in practice. So now the Scott's here, should we start? Yeah, yeah, let's get it going. Going, Oh, man. Going back to the zero thing real quick, man. Uh, So I I came up with with something a a while back that is kind of, you know, weird. Um, I I learned that, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe uh, three years ago or so, that you didn't actually have to zero at 36, 50, or 100 yards that you could kind of do what you wanted to do. And uh, I'll tell you about the issue that I, I was running into and how I found a way around it. I'm interested in uh, you you guys' thoughts on it as, you know, uh, uh, peers uh, among this. It, everything that I've shot that's been alive has, has been a game animal, right, or a nuisance animal or something similar, right? Um, and what I found was was that I would I would go out into these these fields. I, I'd primarily stalk everything that I that I would hunt because I don't sit in a tree stand real good. It doesn't work good for my personality type. And so I would walk around and I would find these critters and um, I, I would try to like bust out my, my range finder, you know, and all this. And by the time I would try to do all this solving of, of what the firing solution is for this particular critter, he would be either moved uh, or, or gone. Uh, I've lost a shot. I didn't, I, I couldn't get it. Um, and so I was like, man, it would be really cool like I learned very quickly that I am not a human range finder and, and I can get close ish, uh, but it would be really cool if I could just point and click. Um, and so I started playing around with, with, you know, optic heights in relation to, to bullets and, and certain uh, barrel lengths, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I've, I've started to kind of with my guns that I'm actually going to go use in, in the field. Um, those, those guns are going to get a zero that is, going to keep the projo as flat as possible for as long as possible. And I'm going to denote where that distance starts to fall away. Um, so with, uh, for, for instance, a, a 12, five, uh, Hodge gun that I've got set up, I've got, um, some 62 grain, uh, what are they called? Freaking triple bonded bear claw or something like that. Uh, the federal stuff, it does really, really good on critters. Um, I've got that set up with, I believe what is a, it's like a 67 yard zero or like a 72 yard zero or something, something crazy like that. I hadn't re-zeroed it in a while. I have to check my data book, but long story short, that, that projo will stay in the black of a B8 from zero to 282 yards. Um, and I thought that was pretty neat, right? Like if I can, if I can get that done, then I don't really like, there's not much like, like, uh, you know, we were talking about earlier in the citizen world, the application of a, of, of a scope carbine in defense of innocent life or, or, or your own life is, is very limited. Um, and I would, I would be willing to place a wager on the fact that it's likely going to be inside of 300 yards away. Um, and so based on that and based on the actual practical use of the carbine in, in the field, I, I found that like, man, I could start to play around with these zeros and these optic heights and these projos and, and find a, a sweet spot that's always going to land within my, my threshold of use. Now I understand that I'm speaking East coast, Appalachia terrain kind of, kind of shooting, right. I'm not, I'm not taking these shots at, at, you know, 
mule deer that's 700 yards away in the middle of West Texas, or something weird like that. Um, but, but I, I, I just, I find it interesting how many people I see that are stuck on, like, I got to pick a 36, I got to pick a 50 or I got to pick a hundred. Uh, and it's, it's like these hard, fast rules that you cannot break kind of thing. And I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on that. It's if it's for an individual's gun. Sure. Um, I mean, come when we're talking, you know, the, again, the designated marksman role, um, as a member of a team, then there's standardization that needs to happen and all that kind of sure. stuff that, that gets driven, not necessarily, um, purely by, uh, marksmanship or, or ballistic performance, I should say, but there's, there's a number of other factors, but if it's just an individual's gun, like, like in your case, your own gun, and, and that's where it works best. Why not? There's, there's no, well, no, and I no can still I can, bust zero at X amount. X I can still plug. I can still plug this data into a ballistic solver and and shoot farther if I had time to range and, and punch in and, and things like that. You know, but that honestly has never happened. Um, every every shot on every single thing that I've ever killed has been inside of 300 yards. Um, with the vast majority of it being inside of 100. And, uh, you know, and, and it just, it just seemed like a, like a really good plan to make a hasty shot off of a, you know, half rotten white oak limb laying over here that I, I got to get done within the next five seconds for this animal's going to be gone. And <clears throat> all, all I ask people to do is do exactly like Mark just said, get out the ballistic calculator. There's a bunch of free ones that, aren't necessarily something that, that I would compete or fucking deploy with, but there's a bunch of free ones that are out there. There's some super fucking good ones. Get in there, plug in your data, play with the data, make your own decision, right? On, on what you need to do. Mark needs to be able to, to, you know, hit something the size of a black on a B8, you know, six, eight inches from zero to 300 yards. And that, what's what he's doing. It's a gun. So what works best for your gun and, and I tell people get their velocity for their bullet, right? Find a friend. Somebody's got a magneto speed. Somebody's got a fucking chrono, the, the old stool with the fucking little fucking wings that's fucking on it, whatever those things are fucking called. I shot don't, a lot of those. Yeah, don't, don't, don't shoot the chrono. That, that happens about every, every time you put somebody new on it. it. Happens a lot, right? Don't shoot the chrono. Get a velocity for it, right? Google it. You know, I've... I, I've started off with a bunch of velocities. When we first got 855A1, that shit was a clusterfuck. Because we go to, you know, it, it, it says this little card and it comes in the box. It says, matched with fucking 855. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. First shot, we knew that shit was fucking wrong. But it would have been much easier for everyone if they had said, ballistically matched to an M16A2 with 855. Because that's pretty much what it is. If you take take the M4 out of it and you go back to your old fucking, you know, the, the seven inches versus fucking 11 inches at fucking 250 yards, you go back to that M16A2 type data, then it, it's pretty fucking close. But they didn't say that, right? But in Afghanistan, we didn't have any fucking chronos. We didn't have any of that sort of shit. We knew the bullet was flying faster and fucking had to make fucking adjustments for that. But find your ammo get your velocity somehow fucking or another because what i had to do is fucking get on the fucking google box and see fucking what i could find on fucking anybody else light fighter i think i found it somebody had shot some over across the chrono 
had a decent number and fucking did it. But find what it is, confirm that. And every, and people say it, and it's one of those things that Marcus talked about earlier, things that we say that we were so used to saying, you know, true the data, right? If you haven't been involved in these conversations fucking 10,000 times, what does truing the data mean, right? So people don't know what that is. They think, it's, you know, the snipers are always like, hey, true, you're dope. And they ju- they just say that it's like it's like the army NCO saying apply the fundamentals right there's there's, there's a whole bunch of fucking whole things edge and <laughs> I, yeah whole left edge and send it is more clear than apply the fundamentals or fucking true your dope right if you don't know what the fuck you're talking about so that that's what I try to tell people and then make a decision for your fucking zero based off of, of what you're trying to do right so. And that's, I completely, there's, there's a lot of conversations that I, that I don't fucking involve in that I used to involve in five years ago, six years ago, eight years ago, I would have been fucking balls deep in it. Just fucking, I've been on the keyboard fucking just slamming. And now I'm just like, fuck this. Right. Just, just, just fucking moving on. It, it, are, are you buying a night's gun? No. You come to quantify forms match. Yeah. All right. Cool, man. Yeah, moving, moving on. Um, but I got tired of saying exactly that. Hey, what's zero C news? What's your velocity? What bullet are you using? Right. All these sort of things. And Scott's been watching the all army all week. And uh, there's some dudes that show up to the all army and the all army is a fairly straightforward fucking match. Like, like most of the, most of the things it's fairly fucking straightforward. It's a full mm-hmm. fucking E type. And you're shooting it at these range, range lines from this position. It's not fucking, super complicated shooting it well is super fucking complicated and takes a lot of practice but just shooting it doesn't but dudes show up there and they're just like straight fuck they're just like i don't even know where i am right now dude you're for benny it's just but and but it's a lot of fun yeah i mean i mean i i I got shoot all army once i wanted was gonna shoot it second time but i was down and i was in hawaii got stuck in hawaii it was terrible got stuck in hawaii during all army when we're testing the new qual so it, it was a terrible week. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> and the weather was shit that year too. But all army is great. And I, I tell the fucking dudes to go shoot fucking all army, do these things because you, you realize and that sort of, and I don't, I don't think Scott was around when, when I was, was in my anti-competition phase, but the. I was right after that. That was how, how we met. Yeah. Right, right after that. But all army is great. Light. Right. It's, it's, it's this great match. It's a great thing. It's great shooting. It's over here. Right. But what, what a lot of people were trying to do is they were trying to combat shooting and army shooting was this way. Right. And they're, they're, it, it doesn't completely translate the shooting. Yes. Right. But the application of that, cause why am I fucking spending all this time shooting fucking iron sights at this fucking match when I'm fucking issued a cog, why, why am I not shooting my fucking a cog? Right. And it, it was, you know, and why am I not shooting these things with fucking red dots? And why is this fucking weird? Right. So that was the things I didn't like. It wasn't the competition shooting, but that's why I try to get, get, try to get people to do this. And, and, and the reason that I push so hard on competition now, and the reason that I fucking started one is because that's where we're going to do this stuff. Right. And I, I said it the other day on Facebook, going out and shooting a critter, a dude, fucking something, anybody at fucking three or 400 yards 
It's not something that I can just fucking go. I'm going to go do this right fucking now. This Saturday, I've got time. I'm going to go shoot some fucking dude at fucking 900 yards. Yeah, just going to get, just going to do that. Right. You can do that in Chicago, but 900 yard shots in Chicago are probably fairly limited. Right. Even critters, there's season for fucking doing critters unless you're poaching. Right. But I can go to a match. I can go to a class. I can do any of that sort of stuff. Mark's got, Mark's class list is like fucking this big. And I'm sure the reg line fucking thing is two fucking pages. And there's fucking matches all over the fucking place. You can shoot gas guns at a lot of them. That's all you fucking got. You can fucking shoot bolt guns at fucking a lot of them if that's what the fuck you got. But just going out and doing that answers a lot of fucking questions but your first your first match it creates a whole lot more questions than you even knew you fucking had and after that match then you have all sorts of questions you start answering fucking questions meeting fucking requirements well, competition is always good for exposing deficiencies in yeah. and, and you know and of course reinforcing uh, uh proficiencies and capabilities that you already have but yeah you know when people don't understand the uh, capabilities of, of their equipment and they're placed in a situation where they can explore that. Yeah. You're going to see that. Yeah. And, and that, it, and it doesn't matter. It could be, it could be the pistol thing. I shoot this little, little silly pistol match here, you know, every week at our local range, it goes out to 50 feet, not 50 yards, 50 feet. And it's all six round things. It's designed and, you know, it's on the F6 target. It's a big target. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Shooting that match every week, then. I see where I fucked up that weekend, either not doing dry fire or whatever. It's hard enough that I can see failure points. It's not so easy that I can just go out there and just fucking close one eye and fucking just fucking hammer it all, all the way on to a fucking super fucking three gun fucking match where I'm shooting against fucking super grandmaster sensei fucking dudes is fucking smoking my shit. Right. And it just, that that's where for the average dude, Let's just, let's just take Mark. Mark's a plumber, right? And then he started shooting competitions. So just a dude that made shit flow downhill. And now look where Mark's at, what, fucking three, four years, fucking, that, that, you know, since we first heard, heard your name, you know, you just look, look where Mark's at. That, that's the average dude. And that, that's where competition fucking comes into things. That's just my thoughts on it. 
I got a good one. You ready for this? Yeah, what you got? How do I know what a good scope is for, for a designated marksman rifle? I actually have a reply to that that I probably am going to need to borrow Rick for. What would Pat Rogers always say about magnified optics? <laughs> they don't help you shoot better. They only help you see better. That was what Pat said for, oh, man. How many years ago was that? What do, I, what, do, what do I need? Do I need? Do I, uh, what's, well, not, what do I need? That's not a good one. What's what? What makes it easier? What am I looking for, right? Um, my am I, am I it, is BDC gonna gonna be the the best bet? Is the the mills or the MOA or clarity versus magnification? Do I need a one X like you know? And I and I understand that like what you're doing with the gun all defines a lot of that stuff. Um, but for you know, let's take what uh, you guys were talking about doctrinally zero to six hundred yards. I think you said. Um, you know, what, what, what do I ideally want out of that optic? We're talking doctrinally. Um, I want, sure. uh, about a one to six with that one being as true one as I can possibly get. Um, there, there's some, there's a little bit of, uh, I don't know, I'm sure, Alex see more uh, see more uh, data points on this than, than I have in recent years, but uh, a little bit of a uh, I don't want to say debate, but just a a, a preference. A uh, couple of camps that that guys kind of uh, get split into with the LVPOs, walking around with it at on max power, walking around with it on one. Um, I I really like an offset red dot and um, full magnification being ready. That being said. I want the low end that one. Uh, if it's going to be uh, a one, I want it to be as 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 close to a true one as possible um, for up close use. If I'm going to use it in that role, um, uh, for for like a DMR SDM type rifle, um, I'm not real big on on having like two or, or three on the low end and and having you know. 15, 16, 18 on the top end. Um, just because where I'm probably going to be working with that gun, um, I'm, I'm willing to give up a little bit on the top end to gain a lot more on the bottom. And that's, that's kind of my preference on it. Um, again, if I had a, like offset red dot would, would be even, even more of a driving factor to that too. I, I like having mm -hmm. just something that is, is, is that quick and that close. If I'm going to be pressed into that rifleman role, when I'm using that gun. Um, but you know, there, there is obviously some wiggle room there, uh, glass wise. So I'll, I'll give my thoughts on this. I don't think there's a perfect, I think it's what you like and what you're going to do best with some guidelines or sort of rules of thumb that I've been quoted as saying a bunch of times is I like two X per hundred yards of potential engagement is kind of my, my baseline. Right. And that can go, you can go a little bit less or a little bit more. I think size weight penalty of the optic is huge on the DMR gun. If you put a super heavy or large optic on it, it kind of fucks up the balance point or makes it more cumbersome than it needs to be or more unwieldy. I think that's a, a thing that's, that's not really, talked about i think your offset red dot i mean again do i think that we could issue offset red dots to every fucking swinging dick in the army i don't know right but 
you know, for me, I like it. Um, I also, I zero mine, my offset at a hundred and then I confirm it at 300. So I, I do have the ability with my secondary or my, my other, I don't call it like primary or secondary, but my other sighting system is also capable of providing hits in the event that my magnified optic goes down. Granted, like the amount of times the magnified optic goes down is, is slimmer than, I don't know. I mean, it's etched glass. It's not, so if the battery dies, I can still use it. Right. It's, you know, barring mechanical failure or getting shot or something like that, it can probably do pretty okay. But my other site can still maintain that, that area of responsibility of the rifleman of zero to 300. Um, I like that a little bit more on the top end, um, specifically going after like non-schoolhouse shit. So like, it's funny, like I came back from a trip in 2010 to Afghanistan and that was the first time I got my hands on a Mark 12. And I was like, this would be cool if it had a 16 inch barrel and offset red dot and collapsible stock. And then like, I went home and I built that. And then I was like, Hey, what's this thing called a mod H? Well, goddamn, somebody figured this out beforehand. Right. And, uh, you know, so I was like, all right, well, I can't be too fucked up. Somebody else already figured this out over a fifth group. So, you know, I was, I was a pretty big fan of that setup and I continue to be a pretty big fan of that setup. Why I say that magnification range is we as snipers were taught forever one X per hundred yards. Uh, but it was for shooting, you know, targets on a golf course range, usually high contrast, usually like with some sort of indicators to where that target is usually on ranges that face North for best light conditions and usually shot during times of the day or using, uh, you know, uh, CNVDs or something like that. What I found in reality was especially shooting five, five, sixes, if we're going to talk that versus is one, the ability to pick up that splash better with higher magnification if those longer ranges or smaller targets, seeing smaller targets or partially obscured targets, targets in various light conditions or uh, targets of varying contrast. And like, that's why I like to be a little bit higher. Like my personal gun wears like a 416 and like, yeah, it's a little bit higher than, than I think where, where Rick would like for that, that close range shit. But for me, like at a close range shot like that, it's going to be clear crosshairs and fire go to my offset. Um, but also like I grew up running an ACOG, that shit was four power all the time. Right. So like I can, you know, I, I can get away with that. Right. A little bit. Um, but I think the bigger, the bigger thing that I see is reticle selection is something that guys miss completely. Um, so either get, you know, they get spun around the axle and they need, you know, if you run a tremor three or something like that on a four sixteen and you power that down to four, you're not going to see your fucking reticle. It's too fine. You're just not going to be able to pick it up quickly. Uh, you're going to have to run the illuminator on Now You've got battery life issues to think about and you've got light condition issues to think about. Um, so you've got issues there too. And the reality is like, Hey, what are those guns going to do with a, with a legitimate five, five, six, 77 grain match load or something similar, you know, five mils should get you two and through 600 yards or meters, you know, pretty much across the board depending on this you got something like you run a two two three pressured ammo run a super short barrel or, or something sort of weird combo there right so you know for me those are the things i look at first and foremost is you know my basic guidelines is 2x per 100 yards of perceived capability a usable reticle um an offset sighting system if required or if you feel like you need it or want it um turrets and a reticle that match like please for the love of fuck please um and then the rest is kind of like, it, you know, it, it all kind of depends. Take it or leave it. What's your budget? What's your price point? What's your, you know, size weight? Again, I think is something that's not talked about enough. That's a huge thing for me. Um, you know, adjustable parallax, not adjustable parallax. You can make an argument for whatever, either way. And I think that really comes down to a magnification range issue, like lower magnification ranges. I don't really care if I have adjustable parallax. And once you get above that, like 
8x top end, I would like to start to see it just because that erector is doing a lot for you. Um, cap turrets, locking turrets, things like that. Like there's there's a lot of options and issues you could go down the rabbit hole of each part of that scope. But base guideline, I don't like to tell anybody what their favorite color is. I like to just kind of give them a left and right and kind of they can they can uh you know gutter bumper the bowling ball until they find what they like. Purple. Purple's my favorite color. <laughs> Noted. And then reticle selection, just, just to bounce off Alex, reticle selection is my biggest, biggest thing, right? And that, that came from a match in Canada, head to ACOG, and we're up there trying to trying to fucking shoot against these fucking British dudes, and I got a 14.5 fucking M4 shooting fucking Canadian 62 grain fucking whatever at the ACOG, and we're shooting at 500 yards. And we're shooting competitively, so it's it's about hitting center. And winds are doing 15 to 20 knots, and I'm shooting at 500 yards, and I have nothing to aim with the ACOG because the wind is fucking got it over here, and the reticle is over here, and there's nothing. It's this nice, clear scope, and there's nothing to fucking aim with on the target. So... That reticle selection, if you're going to be doing Ball things <laughs> that are outside of that shit, the reticle needs to be able to do that, right? So ACOG, if you're, if you're shooting in low wind conditions and all that sort of stuff and you're not coming off of that fucking little bit of fucking reticle that you have, sure, it's great. But if you have a chance that you're shooting out there and you have fucking high wind conditions or you're doing other things, then that reticle is going to fail you. And that, that could have been a... a a March fucking 1.5 to fucking 15. If it had a fucking shitty little fucking ACOG reticle into it, that would have been just as fucked as I was with the fucking 4X fucking terrible eye relief fucking ACOG. So that's one of the biggest things on scopes is the fucking reticle. Does a reticle make sense? Is it fucking BDC? Is it fucking mill? And then going on to the, onto the turrets that need to fucking match that because we all ended up on this fucking army fucking loophole fucking M3 or whatever the fuck it was that had fucking a mill dot fucking reticle in it and fucking MOA turrets. Sweet so, M3 alpha. There you go. That's yeah. the one. Um, Fix 10 power, baby. <laughs> but but that, that's like my biggest thing because the scope could be great and you know have the turrets how i like them and everything and i pick it up and the radical shit then then i immediately dismiss that fucking scope yeah i mean it could it, it could be the the biggest brand that's fucking out there and i'm just like this doesn't do what i need it to do that that signer m8 that i've been running fairly happy with the scope the glass quality is good the turrets are great they're easy everything's good but all it has is basically it looks like an old tmr radical in it and there's times that it's fucking shooting quantified performance that fucking that the reticles fucking left me fucking lacking at fucking super long range targets. So I would definitely prefer prefer in a reticle more than less. Um, yeah, you know I can always ignore stadia lines. I don't like holding in space. It, it, it never there's works. So many people that are so mad. They're so mad about uh, loopholes do two to ten in the TMR platform. It's like man. That's that's it. Like I can use that. Um, you know, it, it's not perfect. It's not like exactly what I would have, you know, drawn up. But I don't find it to be terrible. And I think it's the. I I think that a lot of guys uh, correlate Christmas tree reticle with better shooting. And you know, like, does it make things easier sometimes? You know, sure. Um, do I would I like to have something like a you know a horse fifty nine or whatever? Yeah. 
Um, but it's not a necessity and a scope can still be a great scope with, with a good meal reticle in it. Um, but that's just what I got on that. Um, what you got, Scott? It's good to see you. So, yeah. So, um, wow, man, I could, I could go down rabbit hole after rabbit hole or JBS training groups. Little logo is like a rabbit. Like if you ain't fast, you gotta be fast or you ain't, ain't gotta be fast. If he is fast or something, I don't know whatever he says from South Carolina. Uh, if you could real quick for me, since we just wasted, uh, uh, we talked about not wasted. I apologize. I'm kind of wore out from today. Uh, like 20 minutes on something. Could you reframe your, your original question? So essentially like what reticle and why? I'm going to go shoot a, I'm going to go shoot a, I'm going to go shoot a zero to 600 match and, and I don't know what the targets are going to be. And I want to, to take a, a preferred optic. And when I say zero to 600, I mean, literally like there may be some paper at five yards. There might be, you know, some, some six inch circles at 300 yards. There might be some full size iron maidens at 400 yards. Like you don't really know, like I, I, I don't know what I'm getting into, but I know it's in the zero to 600 yard range. What's my ideal scope look like? Yeah, I got you. So, well, you said you mentioned match, so I'll just kind of cover broad spectrum. We talk about match. Obviously, you got a lot of guys here that have been in the army or uh, law enforcement. For my understanding, I don't know. I know Mark and I know Ash. I don't know Rick or, or Matt or Alex. However, I've stalked you all, so you're welcome. Um, okay. Done a lot of OSINT, so your information's out there. Sorry, um, but uh, you know, for the match side and and the military side, you hear things like METTC, SMEAC, you know, uh, uh, all these other acronyms of, you know, like mission dictates weapon. I think that was in our little Facebook chat earlier, or, uh, choices, things you choose, you know, so zero 600, well, what am I shooting? You mentioned four inch circles or six inch, whatever you said, or am I shooting a 20 inch wide humanoid or 19 if you're in the Marine Corps, uh, however wide that they deem that that's what it correlates to like the ACOG reticle and TA 31 was designer off a 19 inch shoulder width. So if you look at the Chevron and, and the way the stadium lines correlate to their yardage or meter distance, um, as they come down, you have a wider Chevron at say like 400 narrow or five, six, and it gets smaller. And that is based off a, a standard width of whatever target width that they came up that that needed to correlate to at that distance. And that was kind of a ranging technique. So we'll use, like you said, 600, 600 yards, 600 meters, depending on what we're talking about. Um, uh, so obviously for me on both ends of the spectrum, it's a couple things like low end. Do I really care about low end? Well, I'm a guy that runs a six to 36 on a 16 inch rifle. That's in two twenty three, Right. So do I need low end? Well, uh, Rick, sorry, pick you up. Um, you mentioned like yeah, offset red dot. However you want a true one. If I have an offset red dot that is, you know, uh, close emitter, open emitter, whatever, wherever it's mounted, 12, 45, 60 degree, it's taped to the, the rail, whatever. I have a one X. So therefore that is my one X. I don't care if it's a true one, unless I know that that is essentially my backup sighting system. I don't need a QD mount. I'm not running an iron sight backup. I don't have to take the scope off, et cetera. So therefore that becomes my one X, no matter where it's mounted, whether it's passive aiming for nods. And then we can go down a rabbit hole on like lasers, nods, how to path the aim, how to just point and shoot and clear house, whatever. But for this engagement, we're talking probably about something in that three to 600 range, not zero necessary to 600. So now we're, we're filling that gap for the sniper role or a long range precision role. But while we still want to be accurate on say, uh, or precise on a four or six inch target at distance. So sub MOA essentially. So I look at things like, and I think Alex, I may have called it, Alex may have touched on it, like PID, things like that. Can I, can I, can I define my target or maybe not even the target? Can I see my splash? Can I see my miss? Can I see my impact? Um, 
does my reticle cloud my, my visibility to do that? What kind of reticle do I have? Do I have 0.02 mil reticle thickness or does it 0.05 mil, mil reticle thickness? Well, you don't think about that being necessarily a huge deal because you're like, well, that's 0.0 something. However, like depending on the target size, that could cover up a human head. Well, in a lot of engagements, you know, talking to guys that have, have taken shots on that flash sight picture of humanoid or animal or whatever it may be, sometimes that's all they see is something the size of a human head. Well, at 600 meters, human head, say eight inches or 12 inches or 10 inches, depending on who you ask and what ranging theory you're going off of, that is just over MOA. Um, and when you're looking at, you know, say if that reticle thickness was 0.1, now that's a third MOA. So now that 0.05 just became slightly smaller than that. And you look at Mirage and everything else, that reticle being soupy can theoretically cover up that target almost. So you don't want something too thick. However, you don't want something too fine, like you had mentioned, um, not being able to pick it up. Like, you know, uh, Ash had mentioned, like, you know, picking up a 10X M3 Alpha or like I shot fixed uh, fixed 16s at one time uh, that were Mark 4s. Um, and, and, you know, you pick those up and you're like, Oh, there's, you know, and it takes your, your eye time to adjust. You got to worry about parallax and all that. So you think you take things that, like that in a perspective, like what size is target? Um, what am I trying to achieve out of it? What is my uh, precision requirement? People use accuracy and precision as words. And Ash is someone that taught me that words have meanings. Um, I hate to admit it. And uh, we talk about fundamentals and shot processes and all those things. But words do have meanings, right? When we use the word accuracy and precision, they mean different things. However, a lot of times we kind of use them as same words. It happens. I think we all know what each other means. But when I'm shooting a small target, I cannot have a large reticle because that reticle covers up a target. Just like people looking at pistol red dots using eight. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Eight and six and a half and five and a half and seven and two and a half or whatever MOA dot, you reach a point where the, the dot covers up your target so the same thing with a reticle. So you have to define METTC and like all those acronyms I mentioned, what your requirement is on what am I actually going to shoot at? Okay, Scott Peterson going to shoot quantified performance match out to 800 yards on targets that are two to four MOA. Therefore, looking at, okay, what is that equal in reticle thickness? So I need to make sure that I can see the average size target through my reticle, whatever that may be, humanoid or steel, because we're just planking, you know, these days I am. Um, so can I see my target? Does my reticle cover up my target? Does my reticle provide me offset holdovers? So we talked about Christmas tree reticles versus like a TMR, mill, mill dot, et cetera. Am I fine with holding off in space? Some people can do that quite well. Um, some people are scared to go with a Horus or a, 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 a PR2 or a you know, uh, any type of horse, trimmer three, H58, H59, uh, trimmer eight, trimmer five, whatever, you know, version you want to look at. And all these other brands, um, SCRs from Burris, and I forget the the versions that Steiner and every other body else calls them. Um, people get scared of those because they're like, well, they're so busy. Um, oddly enough, and I, I think I've listened and seen enough of what you guys have put out before is 
I think we all subscribe to once the eye decides to focus on something, it focuses on that. So if I've got my reticle of five fingers up here, but I am aiming at my target with this finger, these kind of disappear, right? Now, instead of covering up my splash, like Alex mentioned, like you need to be able to see mag enough magnification to see splash. However, I don't want my reticle disturbing, you know, my impacts and things like that. So sometimes something like a trimmer three for a match shooter might be a little much because if we're shooting a target that is, extremely small, a lot smaller than a humanoid, that reticle may cover up my splash or my target or impact or whatever. Um, in a match environment, but in a combat environment where I'm shooting a 20 by 40-ish target, um, I may not be as worried how thick my reticle is. So I hate to like to make full circle on something Rick mentioned in the Facebook group earlier. It's like, but mission dictates what you choose. Um, I think the real question is, how do we get there to understand what we truly need? And like so many people these days, and we'll go down a rabbit hole of training. Um, and I, I actually was at arena recently and I took a few pictures of, of something Alex had printed out and, and it was left on a table down there of his wind formulas and things like that. Nothing we haven't heard of, but he have it very organized and printed out. And it kind of thought, put some thought in myself is so many people are afraid to teach the basics insert whatever word you want to define as basics, fundamental shot process. Uh, you have to do this or you don't have to do that, that we, we fail to understand what we need in just a role that we're trying to do hunting. What am I actually going to shoot? I'm only going to shoot 200. So I don't need a seven to 35 night force attacker. I don't need that. Um, a lot of people, a lot of, we'll call them bad dudes have been killed with a four X ACOG, you know, or Hell one to four. Iron sights. Exactly. And it call and wind, you know, um, I'm former Marine. So I'm a big, you know, uh, Bill McMillan guys and stuff like this that were competition shooters in Marine Corps. They went to the Olympics, things like that. They shot guys one handed 1911s, you know, 80 years ago, shot bad dudes in world war two, one handed with 1911. They slung up and shot M1 grands and shot bad dudes, you know? So regardless of people's opinion on slings and, national match courses and all these other competitions that started a hundred years ago at one time that had merit. And obviously we've transitioned to that, but how do you know where to start if you don't essentially analyze yourself and understand what you need in the beginning? Like so, if I'm only going to shoot 200 yards, I don't need this and that, you know, I don't need a freaking trimmer three radical. Um, but if I am going to shoot beyond that, and I know that if I'm hunting out West or something, that's where I need. And I need, you need a mentor in, in my opinion. So and that's the biggest I, issue right there. People just buying stuff. So Scott brought something up that that's just buying stuff brings us back to the start of this, right? Which is like with DMR, what is it? What isn't it? Well, so doctrinally DMR SPR is rated at two minutes of angle as go, no go. Right now we all know like every people get mad at me when I say like, well, my Noveski shoots a half minute. I'm like, great dude. That Then it's a go. Love to see it. Love right? to yeah. See yeah. It. Right. Let, all day when threshold bro then, threshold then that's, then that's a go right yeah. like there's there's objective performance and there's threshold performance right and like hey if it shoots two minutes like that's still a go for us right now it shoots 2.1 that's a no-go it's a deadline gun right so like you know it, it is what it is i look at that and and i carry that all the way out for anything dmr spr related uh because what that equates to in humanoid target size rough estimate right so the way that I see it, right? So two, like, 
uh, like Scott was saying, so I, I break this down. This is super general. So like, if you want to crucify me in forms and shit later, like feel free. Right. But like the average human head is probably like six inches wide face in front. Right. So like if it's, that's a one minute width at 600 yards. Right. But it's roughly two minutes tall from pin of the shoulder or across super sternal notch to the top of the head is roughly 12 inches. Right. And so it's about a two minute target rough estimate on most, you know, adult humans uh, in the world. Right. So on the tactical side, that's how I see it. Now, two minutes, again, you say QP matches, shoot two to four minute targets, like all day, easy day. What I look at though, on the tactical side and why I think that two minutes is important is like, you know, law enforcement, they have a saying like hands hurt us. Right. So like, you're always trying to PID the hands and see what they're doing. You know, for me, I look at it like if you're going to effectively employ pistol, carbine, shotgun, machine gun, and I'm not talking like Durka Durka, you know, hands over the head, you know, with your AK from behind the wall. But if you're going to effectively engage me with a small arm, you are going to present to me at least from like your strong side or, or support side, like shoulder, shoulder, hands and head, right? From whatever that presentation is. So if I can engage a two minute target, you know, to that distance, then, then I'm doing pretty good in my vertical elevation, right? Now, wind obviously plays a factor in that. And the other part that, you know, I think we we don't talk enough about, especially when it comes to, you know, DMR and or SPR, and I kind of call it like sloppy sniping, right? But like, if you can get pretty fucking close, like you're going to catch, a, like if you're off, you know, by, you know, call it, I don't know, 0.3 or less. So an MOA or less left or right or up or down on a target as you're scooting into it, there's a good chance that round's skipping into them. There's going to be some sort of effect there on a tactical side, whether it's, you know, are you effectively suppressing them? Did you in fact injure them? Did you skip the round? I mean, we've done a lot of tests where we're looking at departure angles from regardless of attack angle from as far out as possible to six foot man, seven yards off the target, but you're seeing a departure angle of that skipper maintain one to two degrees off the deck all right, for a pretty good distance, right? So you're going to be able to see some sort of effect or impact, whether it's secondary fragmentation of splash, fragmentation of the bullet, case jacket separation, something going into that target all right, that's going to have an effect of what you're trying to have, right? So to me, I think the baseline start point is two minutes, and that's sort of my, my reasoning why. Like you need to be able to, to positively identify and prosecute a two MOA target inside of your area of responsibility day or night all weather that's a chore a realistic i mean that's a 600 meters nighttime poor weather to him away i mean that's a chore um and we're asking a lot and like he said sloppy sloppy you know sloppy sniping i like that i've never heard that before but but realistically i had a, a buddy years ago tell me it, it's kind of like when we say, well, I carry a pistol to fight myself back to my truck so I can get my rifle, you know, or it's, 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 you know, I've heard people say DMR is like, I'm carrying that gun until either air cover or snipers can be on station, you know, essentially like someone that can put more precise fire. I'm just there, the guy that pinning them down in that two, three, whatever MOA range. Cause you know, Lord means a, a 10.3, a 12 and a half, a, a 14, five, whatever I, my guys are carrying other than that, that I am mitigating, I'm filling the gap so to speak, that someone above me said that there's a gap to fill and I'm carrying this insert DMR, SPR, SAMR, EBR, whatever uh, name we want to call it. Uh, you know, that's my job is to pin them down, put as precise as fire as I can within two MOA. Sometimes two MOA is just good enough. Like you guys are saying earlier, sometimes it ain't, but it, like Alex said, you know, it's got secondary and tertiary effects, whether it be, skipping a ricochet or just keeping somebody's head down every now and then or 
you know, whatever it may be. Um, but I, I, I big, I think so many people get wrapped around DMR and re- you hear recce. It's a recce gun. I mean, last I knew recce reconnaissance wasn't a gun, you know, I think they forget that again, Ash, you're welcome. Words have meanings. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and like, I'm just a dude that shoots metal and paper targets these days. You know, I train some guys. I don't, I'm retiring in a year. Like I, I'm not going to go put rounds on, on flesh anymore. Um, and I haven't a long time, uh, but, but I've take pride into teaching people how to shoot people in the face better. Right. And so we have to take a lot of what Alex said into account because like I said, six, eight, whatever number we want to come up with that the head is right. And width of the shoulders and body, depending on what country we're fighting probably. Um, that two MOA is extremely effective, extremely effective out to 600. However, that is two MOA with correct ammo, barrel, uh, whatever weapon system. Um, and it, and it, but unfortunately, I think we've lost in the military or maybe across the board. I think we're gaining some of it in the civilian world where more and more people want to do, come get better. But how do we make the shooter two MOA? Right. I mean, cause I've, I've seen guys shoot half MOA guns and shoot five MOA groups. Um, and, and that's, it is an extreme obviously. Uh, however, like how do we make the whole package to MOA? And I think that is a, is a battle that all the branches are seeing right now, whether we have M110A1s or, you know, six, five Creedmoor M- M- M110s coming or, you know, insert Seekins this and two sixty six five or these CTSRs and Mark 22s and whatever weapon system we give we give these guys the most precise systems we can. And we do multiple things. One, we, we give them these things and slow down on the doctrine or the training or the instruction that they get, or we lose the enthusiasm of why do we do this? You know, like anti-competition. I used to be anti-competition as well. Actually the Marine Corps like brainwashed me that I knew everything I needed to know by going to the rifle range because the guy wearing the, the vest and the cool hat, you know, the, the mount me hat, like told me everything I needed to know. So I was the best there ever was. And then boy, did I get humbled and we see stuff like that. Um, and I think we've lost our way somewhat as a, as an entire institution in a country on that in the military. And we're at once where like the, the civilian world is so far ahead of us on creating a two MOA shooter, um, or better that we're slacking. And, and now you're, not even talking about like recruiting issues or trying to get those people that can already do it into the military. Um, yeah, you know, I've kind of rambled a little bit, but the the big thing is like, you know, we come down to identifying the issue that we need to solve the problem that we need to solve, whether that be kill an animal, kill a person, uh, uh, you know, defeat a steel target, whatever it may be at a specific distance. And we have to start backwards planning, you know, our weapon system and our optics choices, ammunition choices, our budgets, what can we afford? What can our department afford? What can our branch afford? What can my platoon afford? Am I in a unit that doesn't give a shit about money and they can order whatever they want? Um, or am I in a department that's like, I talked to a guy today, he's got seven people in his department and they're just hoping to get one Sons of Liberty carbine. One. You know, because local fundraisers raised them 700 bucks in the two months. You know, and it's like, they don't, they don't cover anything. You know, and, and that's, you know, regardless of people's opinions on politics and blue line and red lines and, and green lines and whatever we support, but like just in general, like that's, that's tough. We want these people to support us. However, they can't even afford a gun that shoots three MOA 
And we're over here talking about, can we do half a moy or one moy or two moy? So anyways, there's, there's a bunch of rabbit holes we can go down on that. I got to say, that was some okay. great stuff. Unfortunately, very... Mark's going to turn into oh, a pumpkin. Yeah, yeah. Mark, before I, I you turn into... Say, I, it's, yeah. it's, it's very rare. You know, I was sitting there thinking while Scott was, was talking, like, I can... Um, I can identify like mainly, I think two courses. I, I, I mean, I've, I've, you know, it's not too long horn. It's just for context. I've been to a lot of courses. Um, and I think only two of them that, I, that are really on coming to mind, like taught me to be a, a rifleman, like a, like a, an actual understanding and, and, and called for me to shoot well, at, at rival distances the rest of them were very 25 yard and then go fast kind of good enough stuff you know um and i think what we're we're losing in a well i don't know if we're losing it we may not have ever had it but I, it's it's very rare to see a rifle course that actually makes marksmen right that that, that teaches guys like how to actually like and i'm talking about like 100 yards in man i'm talking about six by six head boxes of uspsa targets off the back of cars at 75 yards away like like whatever you know like do you, can you do that and can you do it quickly one one shot and there's very few courses that are doing that um and i think a lot of it is because you know for for a lot of guys man it's 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 hobby based right and, and I, I got it um it's it's super fun like we don't like shooting guns um, but at the, at the basis of it, like I can think of a whole lot of courses that I went to, man, that I just, I, I didn't, I shot a bunch of bullets and I didn't really learn a whole lot of nothing. Um, and it was because nobody ever like sat me down and said, Hey man, shoot this thing. Okay. You didn't, why not? Let's look at it. Right. Let's understand why you missed. Let's understand what we need to do to be able to miss. Do you understand the proper application of, you know, the, do you, do you even know what, fundamental means you know like do, do you understand what what you have to do versus what uh you're being tasked with doing versus what the target requires versus the sighting system and understanding the ballistics and, and all of this other stuff there's, there's very few places that do that um and that's i think you know unfortunately i i, I see a lot of shooters man a lot of them and, and a lot of them are uh they're really fast um they're they're super fast um but they're they're super fast on you know C zones at fifty yards and and it's like man why, why are we it, it's 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 wild to me why no one is interested in like how quickly you can put ten shots on a B eight at a hundred yards from kneeling barricaded or or like hey, have you ever like do you know so okay so in prone in a perfect world with perfect ammo and, and this rifle you can do 0.75 MOA out of your your hot you know, insert name brand gun. Cool. What can you do from, you know, mounted standing barricaded? What about kneeling barricaded? What about, uh, you know, if I th throw this, this wrench at you, you know, and, and nobody under nobody knows themselves. Like they don't, they don't know what they can do because they never do that. Um, and then if they do it and they're not good at it, they don't know why they're not good at it because nobody's, you know, they're to teach them. And, and honestly, man, like relationships like, like Alex and Scott and, you know, shooting with these guys, like that's, I, I've grown significantly more as a shooter based on competing against men that are, that are beating me and them taking me by the hand and saying, Hey man, you, you might want to consider this. This is a, an issue I see uh, based on X, Y, and Z and, and, and getting better that way, as opposed to, 
and I, you know, I'm not, this is not an anti-class rant, right? That's not, that's not what I'm saying. It's just like, man, it, it would just be so much cooler to, to see more, more people taking more rifle shooters with red dots and saying, Hey man, do this thing on, on this, like, let's see how much juice you squeeze out of this thing and what it takes to do it. And that makes a lot of things so much, so much easier once you understand that stuff. Um, but anyway, that's just side talk as you were, Matt. So yeah, hey before, guys, so before, I gotta get, I gotta get moving. So yeah. hey, before y'all take off, uh, just want to do the official announcement, uh, that the you're getting married, you're pregnant, maybe, maybe later. Uh, but the <laughs> season finale is going to be called the Ridgeline King of Two Blocks. Uh, Ridgeline Defense is sponsoring the season finale. That is uh, October, I think it's 27, 28 October, something like that, at Arena Training Facility. So Jack and I want to thank Alex and Ridgeline for uh, supporting that. And uh, we'll get it up on score pretty soon. It's it's still pretty far away, but uh, that's what it's going to be named. It's going to be called, and there's going to be some Ridgeline stuff there, and it's going to be – Cool event. We're gonna we're gonna crown some new champions. Maybe. Maybe the same champions. We'll see. 